Yo, monkeys, it's me, PPP, the king of Bada Binga, the master of the diamond cutter, the three time, three time, three time world champion. And you, well, you, monkey, you're listening on the SS network. Stay tuned or you will feel Big Daddy Cool Diesel slash Kevin Nash is listening on the FNS Radio Network. Hey, this is Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle from TNA, and you're listening on the FNS Radio Network. Oh, it's real. It's damn real. This is our break kid, Sean Michael, Mr. Hall of Fame 2011, and you are listening on SNS Radio Network. See ya, and I wouldn't want to be here. Hey, you listen on the SNS Network, and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. Is listening. Welcome to Why. Your hosts, the great big mouth of the SNS network, now, at the Sun City Savior, Randy McWilliams. And now, now. Hello out there, podcast listeners. This is Ashley, and joining me here is Randy. Randy, how you doing? I'm doing fine. Kind of well. Something <laughs> like that. <laughs> and we both say welcome to To Be Announced. <clears throat> Why do I call it that? We're going to have to wait till the end of the show. Basically, as you could kind of tell from that one-off intro, Why is being retired? It's, it's still going to be up there as one of the previous shows but now me and Randy are going to take over the reins and give it a little bit of an edge and no we don't mean Adam Copeland but we'll make an announcement of the proper title at the end of the show but first one thing which we are going to keep with with is the uh, news of the week with a little twist and if you notice the twist you might notice where the show might be going but we'll start off with the story that apparently Vader wants one more run in WWE he was apparently praising Slater in the back for the work that they did the match a couple of weeks back but it's unlikely that he will get the run because the fact that his knees are shot, he's got a bad back. But I still think he had a pretty good match, wouldn't you say, Randy? 
Yeah, it was a pretty good match. He's still he's still been wrestling. Uh, the last I heard of Vader up until then was he was wrestling in Japan with his son, who's currently, well, I shouldn't say currently anymore since FCW over, but is uh, at one point was, or would it be, yeah, the last FCW tag team champion with Corey Graves, a.k.a. Sterling James Keenan, for mm-hmm. those who remember him in the indies. And yeah. yes, that's a total ripoff of Maynard James Keenan, which you should know who that is. <laughs> I won't go into any further with that. If you if you don't, the paper clips may be needed. Yeah, <laughs> but for those of you worrying, the paper clips are going to be a integral part of this show. Make sure everybody's in the know. <laughs> so we're going to come up with some interactive way for that. There's something that's going to be worked on to where yeah. You will figure out what we're talking about and be able to see a little nice extra. Mm-hmm. Now, most of you would have probably seen the impact that happened after Slammiversary and noticed that Sabin certainly was limping and wasn't that good, wasn't that healthy. Well, as reported, he tore his left ACL. This was. Apparently, he was said to have his full blocked by Zimri arm, but landed bad. He'll undergo surgery that will put him out for about six to nine months. Of course, the twist is, he just returned about five months ago after being out of action for 11 months due to reconstructive surgery that he needed on his right knee. So basically, both his knees are screwed. He's like Mysterio. His time in the business is limited. Or Triple H. Now that I think about it, because yeah, he, both of both his legs, yeah, got hurt multiple times yeah, too. Triple H, <laughs> H is a machine, probably. Not literally well, like the Terminator, just. <laughs> Whoa, Arnold did bitch slap him one time. So. <laughs> now, if you saw Impact from this past week, you'd have seen the gut check. And this week's gut check was a woman. Yeah, first female gut check. And this time it was OVW regular Taylor Hendricks. And I've got to say, Randy, I thought she did a very good job. Yeah, this, uh, over watching the match again the, on Friday, I really noticed it was very short and the fans were actually starting to get into the match a little bit. They were really getting into Taylor Hendricks, but uh, and <laughs> it ended short. And I think from what she did, from what she did do, she'll probably do well or she'll get signed. I know I've heard the name before, very. The name sounds very, very familiar to me, especially because that sounds almost exactly like my sister's friend back in, I think that same name almost exactly from back in Germany, which it probably isn't her, but if it was, that'd be cool as shit. <laughs> okay, that, that, that is, that's less of a paperclip and more Friends Reunited. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's why I explained the whole thing this time instead of yeah. But I know Tara is going to be on the judging committee, so I'm guessing she's going to be in the Taz role. Because mm. yeah, Taz isn't going to be an expert in women's wrestling. 
No. Even though he might have the height for it, but... Oh! Wow. Taz, if you're listening, beat up Brandy. Something to do with me. I actually have... Well, I'm like 100 pounds smaller, but I have about 6 inches on him, maybe more. But nonetheless... (laughs) And he has the bad neck. I'll just call Joey Ryan. Oh, yeah. Another thing I had. Who's going to be the judges now that you bring that up? Because you were saying, Tara, who would be... I'm almost guessing Brooke Hogan's going to be one. (laughs) No, no. I think it's going to be Hogue. I think it's going to be Pitt Pritchard and Snow again. Pritchard, <laughs> Pritchard, whatever you're trying to say. did you uh, or whatever it sounded like it sounded like Prick Pritchard. <laughs> I know you were trying to say. Um, I was about to say his brother. I was going to say Brook. I was going to say Brook because you put Brook the name Brook in my head and God damn it, <laughs> just oh, ah, uh, but it's going to be the same two guys doing it because they're the guys that are really. Focusing on that, especially because I think like Pritchard, like Head Booker, and Al Snow is genius. I mean, yeah. Have you seen his tweets? No, nah, but I'm gonna need to now. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and on a side note, Taylor Hendricks is pretty hot too. But <laughs> regardless of that, I hope she goes on, and we have yeah. more people in the knockout division. Although my question is, where are Winter and Angelina Love? Because they weren't anywhere around on Thursday. (laughs) Anyway, we'll find out eventually. King Mo is apparently going to be training OVW sometime very soon. But he's recovering uh, from knee surgery. Word is that he'll be starting to be appearing on TV somewhere in the fall and then work on a limited basis over the winter into 2013 due to the fact that he'll be in the light heavyweight Bellator tournament which starts in January mm. it's going to be interesting with King Mo because this a lot of people uh, tend to think about what happened with Lashley about, what was that, three years ago? yeah, three years ago when he came in and that really didn't turn out for the best Partially, mostly in part due to the scheduling of MMA and TNA where you had to take monks to train a fight. But with Bellator, for what I have seen of it, they tend to do a tournament style, very similar to what UFC did in their early days, which will probably help, which will probably help him out, at least in terms of doing more TNA stuff. But hopefully he doesn't get injured for both. But we'll just have to wait and see with him. This could be... This could work out really well for him, or this could be yet another dud. It's just yeah. like with anything. <laughs> we'll see, certainly. Also an interesting little story that uh, the live episodes of Impact are now going to end on August 23rd, which is a week later than was originally planned. Apparently this is because it fits the taping schedule easier when they go back to it and there is still no word on whether this live thing 
may be brought back or may become permanent if it's successful enough. Some, the ratings haven't been too bad so far for it. And if they have good wrestling like they've had over the past few weeks, then hopefully it will get up to possibly even SmackDown level. Because, well, not SmackDown level as in quality of show, because that's like comparing, you know, a six-year-old kid with somebody like Iron Sheik. <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's my... What's your take on that, Randy? Um, yeah, if it hasn't been made clear by a lot of people for some strange reason... Not sound too condescending on the matter, but TNA, the quality of programming has been exponentially better over the past year, and some would argue much better than WWE programming, which I'd agree with at this current point because, well, yeah, if you've seen Raw or SmackDown, you know what I'm talking about. But there's still their high points with Raw and SmackDown, mainly anything with AJ. Oh, although the tag division, I'm starting. They're starting to care about again, if that makes sense. (laughs) Oh, that just reminds me of the Ascension that I saw in NXT. Oh yes, (laughs) that was. Sorry, but that's how tag team promos are done, like old school. The fall, (laughs) yeah. Especially if you've seen their stuff in FCW, there's kind of a hit in that without the whole having Jay Briscoe bleed onto you <laughs> from below. Yeah. But we better not go much too much into that, Randy, because I that think is that, true. Paper, that paper clip might be needed later on in this show. Yeah, that's a yeah. foreshadowing paper clip for you. Yeah. That's a that's like a premonition paper clip. <laughs> there you go, the premonition paper clip. It's on the TV, surrounded by a ring, saying, seven days, your file will be corrupted. Or something, I don't know. <laughs> but, Randy, you've got a few stories you wanted to go through. Yes, I did. One of these stories that's very interesting to me that goes into the country just about 30 minutes away from me. I forgot exactly how much... But of course, if you know where I'm living, I'm talking about Mexico, and that being Consejo Mundial de Lucha Libre, which I don't want to translate it for you right now, nonetheless, CMLL. And they've made some waves for a rather unpopular decision and a, and a, a news item that had been made uh, clear a year ago when Sin Cara, uh, the former Mystico in CMLL, left. They were planning on making a new Mystico, which... which I currently do get to see CMLL if my TV works, which it doesn't, so I'm not watching it at this time. But nonetheless, (laughs) I have it from when I did watch it on there. There was no sign of a Mystico coming in until now with Dragon Lee. And that's even a paperclip for me, and I watched CMLL. (laughs) I had to ask Latino about it, and even I think he had told me that he wasn't really good. He is the new Mystico in CMLL which has not been liked anywhere. <laughs> so how many Mysticos have there been now? That would be only two. If you want to okay. count the whole Sin Cara thing, then, 
Well, actually, three. I take that back. Three Mysticos. Because yeah, the whole both, feud, yeah. Both Hanico and Sin Cara, as they're known in WWE, were both Mystico in... Were they both in CMML? CMML being Mystico um, no. or in various Mystico other... was in... Mystico was the... Um, I forgot what his real name is, but Sin Cara Mystico was in... Um, he was in CMLL the whole time. Hunico was wrestling around here in El Paso, Juarez, and then he went to AAA after the after the lawsuit happened and became Incognito, which is the other name he's really known for. Okay, but yeah, that, yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. There, yeah, three Mysticos, and I don't think I can't think of a time that an imposter or a new version has really done so well for a gimmick that doesn't already have multiple versions or needs them in the case of, say, Tiger Mask or Black Mm -hmm. Tiger. Because Diesel, the fake Diesel and Razor Ramon didn't work out well. Um, There's too many to count. This could probably be its own episode, or hell, Beyond the Bell can do an episode on that. (laughs) Maybe I'm giving them too many ideas, so nonetheless... (laughs) I'm, I'm Go ahead and check out that show, the... too. But... <laughs> I'm just wondering whether the three Mysticos are anything like the three Stooges. <laughs> oh. Anyway, next. But yeah, that decision pretty much sucked. And now we are going to go into the land of Japan here as we have some big news from two of their shows, the Best of the Super Juniors tournament that recently ended in Dominion which had a very interesting thing happen and something that many Puro fans probably aren't too fond of. But first we'll go into Best of the Super Juniors with this year being won by the runner-up, which has been somewhat of a tradition where the runner-up from the previous year's Best of the Super Junior ends up winning it. This time, Rusuke Taguchi, who tags team with probably my favorite Gaijin wrestler in Japan and probably one of my favorite wrestlers in Japan, Prince Devitt, as Apollo Gogo, well... Actually, I found out Apollo 55, but that's a paper clip in its own explaining the 55 go-go. Nonetheless, the funky weapon, Rusuke Taguchi, beat the current IWGP junior heavyweight champion, Loki, to become the best of the Super Junior, I believe 19, best Super Junior 19 winner, which earned him a IWGP junior heavyweight title shot against the man he just beat at the show Dominion, which he sadly failed in that. But the other big news, other than Kota Ibushi returning, who's been out from injury and who was IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion at the time of his injury, he returned. And uh, also Hiroshi Tanahashi, who I was mentioning earlier, is Sinahashi because pretty much he is the John Cena of New Japan. There's like, that's just, I'll just put it like there. If you've seen, he's an accomplished wrestler, but he has many of the comparisons a lot of Cena people don't like. Even some of the Japanese have booed him on occasion. There was a very interesting match, and one you should probably check out just for the sheer bizarreness in it being Toriyano versus Roshi Tanahashi in the G1 Climax tournament from last year, where the crowd just totally turns on Tanahashi. And cheers to Yanu, who more often than not is a hated heel there. <laughs> yeah. Which shows you how much they don't like. Well, actually, he's not a bad wrestler. It's just he wins all the time. <laughs> <laughs> which is sad how, like, we want to see this guy win. But then when he wins too much, it's like, oh, we hate him now. <laughs> mm. 
And yeah, Kazuchiko Okada, who, of course, Okado back in TNA, who's God, it's, oh my God, he's <laughs> good. He was Kato from the Green Hornet. Yes. <laughs> that was the whole Okado thing. He They pretty much ripped off the Kato when the Green Hornet movie came out and the whole Samoa Joe Pope feud, which is better left forgotten than remembered. And that's pretty much the big thing in New Japan, but... A bit of American news for you, also having to do with Japan, is Pro Wrestling Noah bringing in a few people you might, you at home might recognize, especially if you watch Impact Wrestling, and that being Samoa Joe, Daniels, and, ah, oh, shit, I forgot who the last guy was. Kazarian. Was, there, was it Kazarian? Oh, no, it was Daniels and Samoa Joe Magnus. There we go, Magnus. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Magnus, they're going to Pro Wrestling Noah very soon to do a tour there. Actually, it might have been Kazarian. No, 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 it is Magnus, because Magnus and Joe have a tag team title shot against the GHC tag champs, who their name escapes me right now, but I believe one is Akitoshi Saito. Might as well look that up while talking about it. Yeah. Uh, Any thoughts on that, Ashley? It's good to see that they're letting, you know, Impact are letting some of their talents out to do some of these shows because it then brings worldwide uh, appeal to them because I still remember some of the big shows that TNA did over the past few years when they did the tours to Japan. I mean, the, the last time they did it with, I think, Beer Money defended the ta- or, uh took on for the tag titles. Yeah, they were in, in the Japan at the yeah. the dome the January 4th dome show. But it was part of as well, it, it was also part of the it was it was part of a, they actually released it I think on DVD or certainly on the on demand section. Yeah. Yeah. But I still remember the one which was was it the IWGP match with Angle and Nagata, Yuji yeah. Nagata, yeah, that was the first one, I believe. That was the big one. Yeah, uh, one thing with TNA that I wish WWE would do a lot more, even though they've cho- chosen not to do this. Well, mainly because they have, they can actually probably go into a country and sell out just on their name alone. Is that TNA will has done a, has worked with a lot of companies over the past years. ROH, uh, that's more of a love-hate relationship, but of course a lot of their talent has wrestled there. Uh, This is the first time that I remember that they're doing stuff with Noah. They usually do stuff with New Japan, which they kind of shit the bed on that one, but they they cleared the shit off that bed because they're still doing the January 4th shows. Um, They've done stuff with CMLL and AAA in Mexico. Uh, of course, they're still doing stuff right now in AAA, and then CMLL, they had... the course, Team Mexico won the last World X Cup back in 2008, and in return, Alex Shelley won their Torneo Cibernetico that year. And mm. one interesting thing with... It's going to be interesting seeing Samoa Joe and Noah, because an interesting thing you might not know is the Japanese don't really like Samoa Joe that much. Or at least they did it when he had his match against uh, Masawa about four years ago. Wasn't he regular in the roster on one of the Japanese companies? 
I yeah, he was at one point. I know he I believe it was zero one, and I know he probably did some stuff with Noah. But to explain why they well here me here me explaining it the here's the paperclip being explained anyway um the reason why the Japanese don't really like Samoa Joe is because a lot of his move set or some uh is they've seen they've seen him before pretty much. And it didn't help that Masawa does a few of the moves Samoa Joe does. Like, a lot of the moves Samoa Joe does is very Japanese-based. The muscle buster is done by Mohamed Yone as the Kinikan buster. The island driver, which was the move Bronx and Trey didn't know what it was back at uh, Slammiversary. That Emerald Flosion is Masawa's finisher. <laughs> and there's a few others, I believe, but... Especially if you've seen Samoa Joe very early in his indie stuff, so that's why the Japanese were like, "Okay, we yeah, we see this all the time." Yeah. <laughs> While here in America, where the the Japanese don't come as much, Misawa, as far as I know, only came when ROH brought him in in '07. The same with Koabashi back in '05. That yeah, you don't really get to see him as much, so that's why a lot of uh, American wrestlers can probably use that Japanese influence stuff and still yeah kind of get the pops if that makes any sense at all i don't know, I don't know who we could name as the japanese influence i mean cm punk daniel bryan oh yeah a lot of them especially the ones who, and yeah those are the main richards bryan yeah there's a bit of it with him i wouldn't say as much even though he wrestled a lot more in japan cm punk definitely especially when he did stuff in japan i'll be yeah. sleepy and kenna's move um yeah, almost pretty much any. Once you go to Japan, you start. A lot of people tend to get better, more refined in their wrestling, which is why a lot of people get sent to their hell. Even the bravados in ROH have gotten immensely better just for touring and no one getting their ass whooped. Shining Wizard for the win. Yeah. And um, let me see. That's some Japan news. And now we should probably go into. Where do you want to go into? The West Coast or the East Coast for this? Ooh, let's go something closer to me, so... East Coast. Alright, so we'll go with... I don't know if the show's finished. We'll go with ZZW since, as of this taping, June 23rd, uh, 2012. How did I forget the year? Nonetheless, uh, uh, ZZW had their annual tournament of death at the Ultraviolet Underground, a.k.a. DJ Hyde's parents' farm in Townsend, Delaware. (laughs) The underground place where you're not supposed to know where it is. Oh, by the way, <laughs> Bob. <laughs> yeah. Hell, he's the owner. Might as well. Yeah. Like, my parents have a farm. We can't really do this stuff in Pennsylvania, or at least the I think the light tube specifically they can't do in Pennsylvania. So they got to go out to Delaware to do that. And the it's main they don't have a good energy efficiency rating. <laughs> that too, if you bred. For anybody that does follow ZZW, this uh, it'll be an iPay-Per-View. Well, it'll probably be out as you're hearing this, so go ahead and check that out. Um, it'll be an iPay-Per-View tomorrow, or uh, it's going to be too confusing. It's going to be an iPay-Per-View the day after the show came out. And to go over what did happen, the main thing being that the CZW World Champion, Masada, won... For the second time in a row, becoming the only man to have won tournament of death back to back. There's been other guys that have won it twice, but he's the only man to have done it two times in a row. Beating in the first round, he beat Scott Summers, a uh, 
um, wrestler he's familiar with down in the Austin area. Danny Havoc beat Lucky 13 and Devin Moore. Drake Younger beat Rory Mondo in a ladder, ultraviolet ladders. Oh, no, that was, yeah, that was ultraviolet ladders. Havoc, Lucky uh, 13 and Moore was the, what was it? The Drunken Scaffold match, I believe. Then Abdullah Kobayashi beat uh, Matt Tremond. And then in the second round, Masada beat Kobayashi. Younger beat Havoc and Masada beat Younger in the finals. So this should probably be something to check out. I really enjoyed last year's. And it, this is one of those where I don't think I had to warn you. If you don't like the hardcore ultraviolet wrestling, this is not for you. But if you do like that stuff, you will enjoy this show. And let me see. That was CZW News. Um, I, you know what? We'll go on to the West Coast with this. And PWG has a their next show upcoming at Tremendous 3 on July 31st at the same place they always hold their shows in, in Reseda, California. The, it's the American Legion Hall. I forgot the exact place. But this card is very stacked. Which most PWG cards are, for those of you that don't know, PWG, I feel, is the closest thing right now, especially in America, to really a super card promotion. Which gives way to their lack of scheduling. And the reason they can do, they can book pretty much anybody not in WWE is because they are not on iPay-Per-View or that, and they won't. Which is a shame because they're some of the best wrestling I'd consider in the world, but for them to have as many people as they can, they can only run on a DVD basis, which mm-hmm. isn't a bad thing. Cause we still get to see the shows. Yeah. Nice turn. As I'm pulling up the car. Now, one of the, one of the main marquee matches I'd say is, um, is your PWG world heavyweight title match or PWG world, heavyweight, PWG world title match. With the PWG World Champion, also the ROH World Champion, Kevin Steen, defending the championship against Willie Mack. Uh, was it? Well, yeah, Willie Mack. Uh, also, Michael Elgin, another ROH name, taking on the Callahan Death Machine, Sammy Callahan, in a match that already screams intensity. The PWG tag team titles will be on the line as the Super Smash Brothers defend against, I believe, Future, yeah, Future Shock and the Young Bucks. My internet wasn't on the fritz right now. I could probably have a faster car doing this all off memory, folks. Um, 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 let me see what else was there on the card. You know what? I'll skip the card for right now until we get that. Sorry to sound so unprofessional, folks, but shit happens. Anyway, we'll go into, as that's coming up, we'll go into Ring of Honor and the TV show that's airing tonight. Or for those of you that or on the interwebs, which is pretty much everybody listening to this show. And if you're not listening to this show on the interwebs, how the fuck are you doing that? You got to tell me your secret. <laughs> Either way, ROH, their go-home show for TV. And this was a pretty good go-home show. Were you able to catch this, Ashley, or heard anything not about it? Not just yet. I think we'll try and do some sort of recap on it, possibly in the next few weeks. Yeah, uh, I gotta say, it's a pretty good show. For those of you who didn't see it, pretty much a go home show. The tag, your main event was uh, Team Ambition, Davy Richards and Kyle O'Reilly taking on uh, Kevin Steen and Jimmy Jacobs. Um, what else did you have on the show? You had uh, you had Eddie Edwards taking on Brutal Bob. 
with a very surprising, well, not so much surprising considering he's facing him at best in the world, but, oops, I gave it away. Yeah, Homicide makes his return, and, um, yeah, I might as well give it away since we love breaking the fourth wall over here. He delivers the cop killer to Eddie Edwards, which if you've seen the cop killer, well, you don't see it pretty much anywhere because it's a very dangerous move. You definitely won't see it in WWE. Just ask Gregory Helms. Yeah. Or is that Shane Helms <laughs> or whatever he's going by this time. Uh, here we go. Now it shows up. Three Men Dis 3, which tickets are on sale now for those of you living in the California area. I know L Train follows a lot of the West Coast stuff. Maybe you should go there. And here we go. Going back onto it. A ladder match, I think. Did I say that for that was the tag team title match? It was ladder match. I'm not sure. If not, I did right now. It's a ladder match, three way ladder match. Super Smash Brothers, the champions defending against Future Shot, Young Bugs. I said Steen, Mac, Elgin, and Callahan. The other five matches are the Rock Nest Monsters, who weirdly enough are broken up in NWA Hollywood, but they're still a team of PWG taking on the Fight and Taylor Boys with the return of the Kentucky Gentlemen, Sexy Chucky T, Chuck Taylor, and Ryan Taylor. It's been a while since Chuck Taylor's shown up in PWG, and that should be interesting. Always fun to watch wherever he's in. Uh, TJ Perkins taking on Roderick Strong. Brian Cage taking on Eddie Edwards. B-Boy taking on Drake Younger, a match that was supposed to happen at ZZW's 12th anniversary show last year, but... Did not happen to do a B-Boy no-showing, or just not giving a fuck, one of the two, and famously taking on Joey Ryan. Mm. And yes, that but Joey if, Ryan. Is there any yeah. other? <laughs> I don't know. But if, if you're not in the know with all the names, we'll try and introduce them as much as we can over the next upcoming weeks and months, so you're not as much in the dark as uh, you may be on some of these guys, because I'm not excellent with most of these. Just having a look at one of the the show that they're doing this Sunday, the 24th of June, one of the matches that Shikara are doing with their Smack in the Middle show yes, is a mixed tag match with a difference, because it's two women versus two men. Yes, for those of you that don't know, and really, well, uh, ZZW kind of does this, Anarchy Championship Wrestling down in Austin really does this a lot. Chikara has no gender limits. The men fight the win, women fight the women. Or, yeah, men fight the men, women fight the women, men fight the women, women fight the men, or whoever there is. Of course, there's a lot of characters you have in Chikara. But yeah, there is no gender qualification, so if you are able and ready to wrestle, you will be put in a match, regardless of your mm. genitalia. I think it's the best way to kind of say this without going too yeah. vulgar. Which also, I can't... You can but... have men versus ants. Yeah, men versus ants, men versus ice cream. Uh, you have a bunch of characters in Chikara. Something that <laughs> might turn a lot of people off against it, but... Part 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 of the reason I think it's awesome. It's pretty much for those of you that don't really watch Shikara, all the PG stuff you see in WWE, but you'll you'll actually enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. With a, I don't want to say a smart point of view. I don't know what's the best word. Kind of insider point of view in a way, just very 
You, it, it, you should watch the car. I'm just telling you that right now. Don't take my word for it. Watch it. The DVDs are only about 15 bucks. You can find them off YouTube. We'll look for something for to get y'all to watch these Shikara shows because it's, I'd say, the best indie promotion right now in the in the world. <laughs> no doubt about it. Certainly, King of Trios is looking very interesting. Oh, if you yes. remember a month or so back, we talked about during the Chikara, Chikasaurus Rex yes. show, they announced the first team, which was... The extreme trio is being labelled, which was Dreamer, Two Cold Scorpio, and Jerry Lim. But there's actually been a few additions to that. Do you want to go for them? Uh, yes, if I can find them. I do know of one off the bat, and that being last year's runner-ups and the 2009 winners, Fist, of um, and the extreme trio. I was wondering what they were called. Yeah, Fist being Chuck Taylor, Johnny Gargano, and Icarus. And also added are the team of the Batiri, Oberian, Kodama, and Cobalt, and the Spectre Envoy, Hollow Wicked, Frightmare, who since returned from a nasty leg injury, uh, returned at um, the New York anniversary of show The Ogonai, and Ultramantis Black. And that is right now you're four of, I believe, it's always, yeah, 16 teams, four of, uh, got 12 more left to go. So right now it's, this card's looking pretty good. We've got plenty of time to build between now and September. Yes, there's a lot of time to build. And this was a show that I didn't even know they were going to do because since uh, the past couple of years, they did the shows in the ECW arena, New Alhambra, or the Asylum Arena, as it was last called. And as you now know, the, there's no more wrestling shows being held there, so now they're out holding the shows in their the Easton Funplex which will be a lot smaller in attendance unless they decide to put a hell of a lot more chairs, but we'll still have the same atmosphere as any other Chikara show, regardless of it's in Ontario, which they have a show going on right now, or in one of their, kind of their home away from home in a way, or mm-hmm. yeah, East to do a lot of shows there. That's the best way to kind of say it. So yeah, King of Trio should be good. <laughs> if I don't want to say Redundant. Check it out, goddammit. <laughs> so, is that all the stuff from you? You got any more? Um, let me see. That's pretty much, yeah, PWG, Chikara. We could probably, I don't want to go into too much future stuff. Because um, we have a lot more. To, uh, I'd say the only other thing would be to cover the past the past ROH event in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, did I say South? I was just about to say South Carolina. It was in West Virginia, I believe. Okay. I might, wasn't it? I must feel stupid if it was in South Carolina. <laughs> and I switched <laughs> it to go with West Virginia. He isn't People sure. He's going to have to get a paperclip for himself. Yeah. <laughs> People in Charleston, People in Charleston are pissed at me. <laughs> If we have any people listening there, and if we do, we thank you for listening to the fine shows of the SNS Radio Network. <laughs> and this one. Yeah, and this one, too, which is still to be announced until the end of the show, of course. But one one thing I'll go over as I'm trying to find this, <laughs> breaking more fourth walls, uh, there's an interesting outcome of one of the matches that being the Davy Richards versus Mike Mondo match, uh, which at first glance would seem like Davy Richards totally winning this match, but 
that did not happen as that match went to a time limit draw. Which is very interesting. And for those of you that don't know Mike Mondor, might have heard the name before. He was he was Mikey from the Spirit Squad. Mikey! <laughs> the one who... Was he, was he aligned with Eddie? I know one of them was with Tori at one time. And well, I was pretty much going to make a joke about Ken Doan and the whole Mickey... Uh, John Cena situation, which if anybody, which the lesson to be learned from that is erase your Google history. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering <laughs> if you're, I was waiting for, <laughs> am I oh, waiting for them yeah. or from you or from both? You give, give them the paperclip on that. Yeah. Or, it's on the SNS Facebook, which you can find pretty much any wrestling news that comes out. That's pretty much headlocks to headlines for those of you who don't want to check out headlocks to headlines for whatever reason that being Mm -hmm. and let me see uh does it tell me it has the god damn it oh well the you know what we'll go into that to another time sorry to bring up something and then go from it it was charleston west virginia the main okay uh, the main thing being Jay Briscoe defeated Charlie Haas, Kevin Steen defeating Eddie Edwards, I believe Jay Lethal defeated Michael Elgin. Oh yeah, Adam Cole won the Four Corners Proving Ground match, earning a World TV title shot in the future against Roderick Strong. All Night Express beat Caprice Coleman and Cedric Alexander, and I believe that was all that happened. If not, you can check out the results online somewhere, and that's pretty yeah, much all the Google ROH Charleston and you will get them. Yes. June 15th was when the show happened. But is that all the uh, news to cover this week? No, there's nothing else that I have in mind. Nothing I can think of for this. Might as well move on to the next segment. Segment? Yeah, segment. I'll just say, I'll say it like that just to be odd as fuck. <laughs> so apparently we're going Swedish, and uh, in the next segment, nah. <laughs> I guess uh, that's the accent I did. <laughs> he was doing the Swedish porno movie. <laughs> All we need is the uh, subtitles so you know what's happening in the bedroom scenes. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, after that craziness, we will. Take a quick break, and after the break, we're going to have a new irregular feature. As in, it's not going to be weekly, but it will come round every once in a while, which we call the X Factor. But we'll tell you more after these commercials from everybody else on the SNS Radio Network. So, we'll catch you in a few.
Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to show you how being a Wrestling News Live family member and diehard listener can change your everyday look on life. Example, here's the brand new commercial from Subway. Hi, Samantha. Hi, Todd. Do you want to be my boyfriend? <laughs> sure. Great. Give me a melt. My melt? Yeah. I'm your girlfriend now. Uh, uh, I don't think this is working out. Now let's replay that commercial and show you what Todd would have said to her had he been a member of the Wrestling News Live family. Hi, Samantha. Hi, Todd. Do you want to be my boyfriend? <laughs> sure. Great. Give me a melt. My melt? Yeah. I'm your girlfriend now. Shit, bitch. Who the you think you are? Give me my sandwich back. Bitch, please. Better be willing to give me some of that pussy before you get some of my sandwich. Shit. Ladies and gentlemen, this is just another example of how becoming a member of the Wrestling News Live family helps you live a better life. Standing ovation here. Let's go to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled to take you back in time. Host, ring announcer, Sean Buckman brings you pro wrestling nostalgia featuring classic moments and old school themes so buckle up and go beyond the bell each and every week on the sns radio network it's go time i am the big voice on pro wrestling's right I am the truth. I am the power. And the truth shall set you free. We take on the topics that nobody else dares to take on in the world of professional wrestling. Hitting them head on, full force, and not pulling any punches. So make sure you tune in every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Mountain for the Pro Wrestling Rewind right here on the SNS Radio Network. Hey guys, it's Mr. Money on the Mic, JJ, all caps sexy of the SNS Radio Network. If you're looking for the latest news in professional wrestling and, of course, some of the best columns on the World Wide Web today, visit headlocks2headlines.com. That's headlocks, the number two, headlines.com. It's the official news site of the SNS Radio Network. You should make it your official news site as well. Once again, www.headlocks2headlines.com. Listen to all the shows of the SNS Radio Network live on your iPhone, BlackBerry, and Android. Visit www.mobileradio.info. And check us out on the TuneIn Radio app. Thank you. 
Welcome back to this show that has no name yet. It will have a name by the end of the show. It's not that we haven't come up with it. It's just we're leaving you on tenterhooks. Yeah. We're trying to, we're trying to be like a storyline which has a good ending. Unlike probably something with... I'm trying to think of something that had a really rubbish ending in WWE. Um... Um... Cena Nexus, if we want to go, I kind of want to avoid oh, yeah, bringing no, up the yeah. Cena Some, one. But yeah. No, yeah, the 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 ending to SummerSlam, Cena just gets up and says, "Oh look, I am." Oh, Y'all still don't like the SummerSlam ending. Oh. I don't think it was as bad as people pointed out, but to each his own. <laughs> yeah, very true. But yes, now it is time for the X Factor. What this is? Oh, here's CM Punk, Kevin Nash. There we go. Yeah, that possibly as well. The X Factor is basically our version of top ten because we didn't want to call it a top ten. We wanted to come up with something that's slightly original. So we took X Pac's move. Or I don't know something in our former segment name, which is yeah. somewhat related to this, but. We will jump into this, and our first X Factor covers the top ten most shocking moments in Ring of Honor. Because to be quite honest, there are a few. Some more obvious than others. (laughs) But we'll probably get to the obvious ones at the top of the list. So, number ten... We'll start off with the incident at the sixth anniversary show. Randy, perhaps needing paper clips to explain people through. Tell yes. us about this incident. Uh, on February twenty third, two thousand eight, at I believe the it's either Manhattan Center, or Hammerstein, uh, the one that I think it was the Hammerstein Ballroom, somewhere thing. in New York. Yes, somewhere in New York, New York. Uh, they had their sixth anniversary show. And there was a very, there was an incident that's not really remembered so much, partially kind of nowadays since Larry Sweeney has passed away, but also just, just really kind of weird segment that happened there. Where, uh, for those of you that do remember Larry Sweeney, he is easily the greatest manager in Ring of Honor history. I'd put him over Prince Nana just slightly a bit, even though Nana has way more longevity than Sweetie had, sadly, now that he, of course, he is dead now. But also, Sweetie had left Ring of Honor on not-so-nice terms back in 2009. Anyway, a year before he had his unfortunate departure, he was pretty much at the top of his game at his own talk show, which is... Something you don't really see happen too much in Ring of Honor, especially since they try to focus on the wrestling a lot. There's only been, as far as I know, really two talk shows, maybe three if you want to count that Samoa Joe's ring. But that was more like a segment showing him beating up on trainees. (laughs) And the other one, for those of you asking, is Colt Cabana's Good Times Great Memories. And anyway, on this version of the Larry Sweeney show... Uh, the special guest was the returning Alice in Danger. For those of you that don't know who she is, the one of the founders of Shimmer, also Steve Carino's sister. 
that's the main thing most people will probably remember her as, especially if you don't fall the indies. Either way, she had made her return after, I believe, a year. Yeah, the last time I think she was there was when uh, Danielson, uh, not Danielson, Daniels, uh, Christopher Daniels left in a very pipe bombish promo, which I need to cover one of these days. Anyway, so Sweeney's there. He talks about Danger being a slut, which is more than likely false, but I'm equipped with the assumptions there. Anyway, Allison Danger refutes those claims, but then Sweeney ends up hitting Allison Danger. And at this point, this is where this moment enters our list. It is from this point that Larry Sweeney had Bobby Dempsey, who was... What's the best example to describe Bobby Dempsey? Uh, he's this big... What of the trainees they had? Big dude, too. And they'd always give him shit. He was their, he was their bitch, pretty much. So, never mind the joke I was going to say, because uh, I'll probably get in trouble for that. Oh, you know what I'll say? He was like their Crelly. I'm sorry, Crelly. Damn! So over. Oh, well, looks like I'm not coming back on running in the ropes. Anyway, he knows I'm kidding, but just to get the point across for those of you that don't know. Anyway, Sweeney and Dempsey. Well, Sweeney tries to get Dempsey to... How do I put this without... You know what? I might as well be blunt with it. To pretty much rape Allison Danger. Now, he didn't necessarily say to rape her, but to get her, get his shot at her, it was going to be his chance to uh, get some. Or I don't know if they played him as a virgin, but whatever. So Bobby does not want to do it because he, of course, has dignity. Oh, yeah, it was to lose his virginity. Uh, so Sweeney take, uh, knocks out Bobby Dempsey. From there, Bobby Dempsey, uh, Sweeney drags Bobby Dempsey on top of Allison Danger, then puts his foot on Dempsey's ass as to simulate uh, a sex act. And what makes this even worse, regardless of what I just described, was that the crowd was cheering this the whole time. And Sweeney was a pretty big heel. Or he, he was at, uh, the top non, he was the biggest heel non wrestler which they didn't really have many of, but he was that he was the Vicky Guerrero or not, not, Bobby Heaton would be the best. He's ROH's Bobby Heaton, bar none. Wow. And sadly, I'm that incident. Right. Yeah. It was at one point they wanted, it was off the DVD of six anniversary show, but it was eventually put back in after some complaint, which, yeah, that seems kind of weird considering what, went down but for those of you that do want to see this incident you can of course check this and many of these other shows out on rohwrestling.com some of them might not be available for sale that's where you go on to their on demand service you see that's just isn't there a similar we mentioned it a few weeks back the Chikara stuff where they're doing simulated sex Oh yes, the it's exactly the same, except not slightly exactly, worse. But one was one was more that one was more direct, while the other one was while the Chikara one was implied yeah. that they were going to do something to her because they had yeah the material were tying up Sarah Del Rey with rope and considering the things they said, many many of it being of a misogynistic chauvinistic nature. Yeah, that was not looking good for Sarah. <laughs> yeah. 
kayfabe wise, even though she did get, she was saved by Saturine. Now, was it the was it the stuff with uh, they brought in Shelly Martinez? Um, not Chikara. I don't believe she's ever wrestled there. Was it PWG? No, it was, I I know who you're thinking. Um, uh, Dragon Gate did Dragon Gate USA. Dragon Gate, that was it. Uh, also, she's done some stuff for NWA Hollywood recently. It was, it was Dragon Gate where they had the whole stuff. Oh, now with, I remember. With the, scene. the last, the last pay per view, yeah. Oh yeah, that's how they do their interest. That spit roast. Yeah. <laughs> people are like, "What's a just spit be roast? careful on Google, people, with the term spit roast." Yeah. <laughs> Or, or if you've seen uh, Chasey Gaby finger cuffs. Oh, <laughs> oh my word! Quick, we better hey, jump. Get the reference. <laughs> we better j- <laughs> the paperclip for that was Chasing Amy. Yeah, <laughs> this is a damn good film. Next up, no, no, number nine. We'll get away from rape, yes. and we'll just go to hate the Antichrist of indie wrestling. Mr. Kevin Steen. And probably most notably, everything Kevin Steen's done in the past two and a half years. Specifically at uh, Hammerstein. Yes. It it all started from the El Generico Kevin Steen tag team. Yeah. Let's start this. We'll kind of start this off at Final Battle 2009 being one of the most is where this whole Kevin scene that we have today started to begin. Uh, Steed and Generica lost the match to the Young Bucks, and uh, Steed got on the mic in a promo that sounded like he was about to retire, very kind of heartfelt promo. And then he goes to El Generico and says, I hate your fucking guts, knees him in the balls, and then brains him with a chair shot, leading to the most intense feud in all of wrestling in 2010. Actually won feud of the year, from uh, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter mm-hmm. for their efforts. And that ended in Kevin Steen being banished from Ring of Honor after he lost the Mass versus uh, career. Yeah. I think it was I think it was Feud of the Year just for the match at Final Battle, which was unsanctioned. That, but yeah, alone, like the whole feud in general was really good. With how Generico did it really, at first Generico did it really want to attack Steen, even though... Steen pretty blatantly betrayed him. <laughs> then he found out Steve Carino was running the strings, and you had in Colt Cabana to uh, stick up for El Generico, and then El Generico finally gets, uh, finally grows balls and starts beating the shit out of Steen. There was the Chicago Street Fight match. It's like too many. It's one of those that I hope, and most likely Ring of Honor will release a DVD about that feud because it is one to check out. For anybody yeah. trying to get into Ring of Honor. And then from there, at, be- at last year's Best in the World, Kevin Steen made his return after Carino was uh, promising Ring of Honor that, uh, Kevin, St- that Kevin Steen had reformed. And yeah. the, the, one, the, mo- the, more sh- the most shocking thing probably to come out of that whole thing was, well, him saying, my name is Kevin Steen and fuck Ring of Honor, and the fact that he threatened to package Piledrive, Carrie Silken, which, as of to, as of the day of this recording, whenever that is, I won't care to say it this time around. Uh, he is the only man in Ring of Honor history to put his hands on Kerry Silken. 
who rare who you always see on camera if you watch the shows he's usually there at ringside but very rarely does he get involved in the action so to say mm. with i think only well other than like handing the title to the new champion he i only saw him make like a commissioner gm type role move one other time and that was the big deal with that. And then Final Battle 2000, or uh, before the, uh, Glory by Honor. I know that was in Chicago, but yeah, the damage he caused there. Um, the Final Battle when he got his job back, beating Carino. Then 10th Anniversary Show, and pretty much Kevin Steen from up until now has provided many crazy moments. So for us to kind of encompass all of it, we just put Kill Steen Kill kind of as a whole for this number nine. Yeah. And continuing with best in the world hostage crisis as you'll find out later on in the show yeah this the steam story continues yeah except it's kind of lost its controversy and just kind of turned into a cm punk style yeah thing but we'll get to that because some something big goes down on the pay-per-view which we'll talk about but number eight something else that's big jeff hardy and his one-off appearance in ring of honor at Death Before Dishonor, was it three? The first one. Oh, the very first one, okay. Uh, 2003. The same show that was Paul London's Farewell after he uh, faced off against Samoa Joe in the main event also was known for the CM Punk Raven Dog Collar match, which can be uh, one of the older DVDs that ROH had. It's on that. The big thing with that moment was, um, what was it? CM Punk had tied... Yeah, CM Punk had tied Raven to the ropes and was going to pour this beer down him. And of all the people to save Raven, the guy who saved him was Tommy Dreamer. What? Yeah, this is a... Wow. It was, yeah, okay, because they had the dog collar match to Colt Cabana. Uh, very weird playing a heel. And yes, that's actually happened. Colt Cabana playing a heel. Uh, I Colt. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Was like I say, he helped uh, Punk get the win, and then Danny Doring, who Punk was giving shit earlier on, helped chase Cabat out. Then Punk uh, taped up Raven to the ropes, was about to force him to drink beer, and then Tommy Dreamer came in to make the save, and then they uh, they uh, turned the tables on Punk and forced Punk to drink beer. Yeah, um, this was all with straight Punk edge, straight glorious. edge. Yeah, <laughs> but. Among other memorable moments, which I just mentioned from Death Before Dishonored, the most infamous moment was Jeff Hardy's match at Death Before Dishonored, where the audience completely shit on him. (laughs) The match wasn't really bad. There was nothing bad about the match, but these fans were all bad. There's like... This probably ranked up there with when uh, Insane Clown Posse made their one and only appearance back in the 2002 and the crowd just shit on them the moment they got out. But I think Jeff Hardy's probably rages on a bigger scale because with the exception of really the girls, which almost sounding like seen a chance of that, but yeah, everybody booed him bad. And well, then like, it involves a couple of things. He recently did a shoot interview or he did a shoot interview just before that when he basically said he lost his love for wrestling Plus yeah. the fact he turned up as Willow the Wisp. Yes. <laughs> and the fact as well that who else was in the match with him? Wasn't it one of his guys from the uh, uh, Omega 
Crazy K. He was one of the. He was recently one of the Ryback jobbers. Oh, well, that's nice. There you go, paperclip. <laughs> paperclip. <laughs> yeah. If you can work out which one, you won't care because it's a Ryback match. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what his name was too, but I do remember seeing Kirby back there. And um, the other band in the three-way was uh, Joey Mercury, aka Joey Matthews, there. Mm. who probably had a lot of fun seeing that he could pretty much do whatever he wanted in the match and the crowd would still cheer him. And that was before he broke his nose. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well before he broke his nose. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and by uh, the way, Ryback's next match, if it's against two people, they should be called Brock Landers and Jeff Rockwell. <laughs> and if people get the reference to Boogie Nights there, have a cookie. And then we need Dirk Diggler. I mean, Dolph Ziggler. I mean, <laughs> yes, that's exactly how they no, got we'll made. It, no, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Dolph Ziggler. I'm changing my name. I'm going to call myself Eddie Adams. Do- you, Dolph, why are you the other way around? <laughs> yeah. Why are you pulling down your trunks, Dolph? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> is it prophetic or is it real? <laughs> Why uh, is Yellow's living thing suddenly playing? <laughs> I do. Anyway, that's, that's enough fun there. Let's get to more controversy. Number seven, uh, the yeah, riots uh, at the first anniversary show. Just to close out number eight. Okay. Sorry, uh, um, yeah, Jeff Hardy pretty much won the match. They shitted on him. Also, a weird, a funny thing that would happen is during the match they would chant, "We want Matt," who would eventually make his appearance two years later. And a court which was made famous by him advertising <laughs> Ring of Honor on Monday Night Raw. That's kind of similar to Kevin Steen. Hi, I'm yeah. Matt Hardy. And well, <laughs> can kiss my ass. Yeah. And then that he had the car crash promo. Yeah. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Now, yeah, the first anniversary show, Riot. Going back to New York for this one, as going uh, a, a bit of a common theme here, especially with many of these shows, February eighth, two thousand three, the first anniversary show, I believe, called the one year anniversary show for Ring of Honor, in an incident that's not really known so much nowadays, but very controversial and still very kind of mysterious. In was it real or was it not? Especially if you've seen the footage, which depending on if you could get the DVD or video of it, goes on for about a good hour. It, the, the riot, I think, in total lasted about 20 minutes, but they show, like, three different angles from, like... Uh, but first, let me describe it, where it, it was a match between Steve Carino and Homicide. During the match, Steve Carino... Uh, uh, Carino had choked out Homicide to get the win, I think using some illegal substance... And then Carino, who was very hated heel in early Ring of Honor, especially with his feud with Homicide, which would become legendary. Him, uh, Samoa Joe, who was aligned with it at the time, just shortly before he would win the ROH title. Um, I think, yes, yeah, C.W. Anderson was there, Simply Luscious, Steve Carino's girlfriend, and Michael Shane, a.k.a. Matt Bentley, because if you know the story, you already know. Um Anyway, Homicide's goons, well, J-Train, and uh, I think it was a lot of, like, people probably Homicide trained kind of the Jersey guys, 
a lot of the SST dudes, for those of you that know, like uh, the guys that Homicide, uh, homicide, <laughs> homicide rolls around with, and they pretty much rush the uh, – a couple fans rush through the barricade and a huge riot went down. And when you do see the footage, it's very hard to tell if it's kayfabe or not. It almost certainly is. But it's almost like it almost seems like some fans might have gotten carried away with it because this is a very massive riot that occurs. It's a good fight. Yeah, it's pretty good, even though they kind of went too long in showing it. As I said, it's about the footage is about a good hour. I think the show's about, I think, four hours long. That's one thing you'll notice with Ring of Honor shows, especially up until uh, uh, Gabe Sapolsky. Uh, was uh, terminated. Um, a lot of the sh- some shows would tend to be long as fuck. Like I yeah. saw a Ring of Honor show that was the whole thing wasn't this length, but including the uh, little anniversary footage they showed, five hours long. That's the longest long. I've ever seen from Ring yeah, of Honor. Long. That is, long. and I didn't even watch it in one sitting. I don't think it was even possible for me to do that. Where is the toilet break? <laughs> yeah. Where's, these, where's, the, where's the 20 minute interval when they just play random music? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. You, some interesting ones so far. Now it's going to definitely get interesting because number six, the feud between Ring of Honor and CZW. Oh, yes. This feud, the best example, I'd say, of an interpromotional feud in the last. Um, what would be the best one? If, way, way better than the Alliance uh, to put it in that, but then that's probably most kind of feuds of that nature. Very, uh, very interesting feud that, from what I was reading about not too long ago about it, supposedly originally started out as just uh, Chris Hero getting a tryout and them giving a and them having a reason to book Necro Butcher. Because apparently the whole big feud that was going to happen in Ring of Honor in 2006 was Generation Next versus the Rottweilers, which they did, uh, which they were kind of, which they were teasing around for a very early on until Loki quit, which they might have already been going with it when he did quit or whatever. I don't know exactly on that, but nonetheless, this feud first started out when Brian Danielson sent. Uh, when he won the world title back at Glory Bonner four in we was it October no September of that year and um, what was I gonna say um, he and one of the things he had with uh, when he was world champion was he sent out open contracts for any wrestler to come and uh, face him for the title and this Chris Saban ended up coming in for TNA. And which a common misconception is that Saban is a Ring of Honor guy, which he really is. And he only made a few appearances. And the time that he was kind of a regular, a certain incident happened that prevented him and many others from wrestling in Ring of Honor. Um, uh, some uh, guy from Hustle came in. I think no, Steve Carino, I think, represented Hustle. That's who it was. And one of the contracts ended up going out to Chris Hero, or Chris Hero signed one of the contracts and beforehand or around that time at, uh, at uh, on December uh, 10th, 2005 at CZW's Cage of Death 7 show at the CZW Arena or uh, the ECW Asylum Arena, the arena that no longer holds wrestling shows as <laughs> another way to call it. 
uh, Chris here pretty much laid out an open challenge and pretty much and almost a shoot like promo talked uh, talked about how Ring of Honor wouldn't book him how how Chris Hero had been tearing it up in the indie scene yet was one of the probably biggest indie guys that had it wrestled at Ring of Honor at the time which was true especially if you remember his feud with Punk which led to many lengthy stipulation matches like they had a TLC that went about an hour long it was way it was a good match but it went way too long than it needed to be and a 93 minute match I believe that was the two out of three falls match and so Chris Hero goes on a little diatribe there and then that sets the stage for January 14th 2006 when CZW and ROH are holding a double header that uh that weekend, uh, that day. And that was another thing Chris Hero brought up, how CZW had to do the afternoon show so Ring of Honor could have the the evening show, which he thought was bullshit. And uh, very interesting at CZW's an afternoon to main events, Brian Danielson makes his one and only CZW appearance there to, to a course of booze nonetheless, pretty much crapping on the company and talking shit about Hero to set up the match for later that night, which would be won by Danielson. And alas, it seemed, but that would, alas, it seemed this whole ROHCZW feud was done. But no, it wasn't. As at Tag Wars, during the A-Steel Sterling James Heaton match, Chris Hero Necro Butcher came out through the barricade and a big brawl ensued. And this whole feud was very intense bringing out a lot of people really kind of shown in this BJ Whitmer is one for Ring of Honor Adam Pierce, Homicide probably being the biggest beneficiary in this few Chris Hero did a lot of work in this says uh, arguably one of the most hated guys in ROH history up until his shocking appearance at Final Battle 2011 which is an honorable mention he had never been a face in Ring of Honor and especially if you saw him in 2006, he was very hated by this crowd. Like, they... Uh, I, I don't even know how much to really describe it. But, yeah, he was hated. And this all... One of the... Another big moment was back at Arena Warfare when... After the three-way dance main event, ROH and ZZW got into another big brawl. And this time, it ended up with... I think it was Wax, or I forgot who it was. Wax, or one of the ZZW guys had a weed whacker on him. So the ROH guys fled. The fight still led into the crowd, but BJ Whitmer was left alone in the ring, was tied up to the ropes, had uh, ZZW tickets stapled to, I believe it was his chest, by John Zandig, the owner at the time of ZZW, uh, was another big one. I think at Tag Wars or Dissension, uh, Jim Cornette got a tooth knocked out, and then he delivered a very inspired promo about hardcore wrestling. Uh, the 100th show is where Claudio Castagnoli, who had been working at Ring of Honor for a little less than a year at the time, but had also worked in ZZW as well, and they had teased which uh, side he would be allied to at first, being with Ring of Honor, but he would turn on them in the main event on the 100th show, then you had a couple shows after that, but the big, the the end game of this feud happened at uh, Death Before Dishonor 4, July 15, 2006 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. A very interesting show where the crowd was split 
ROH CZW, which is especially when they did Philly shows, the crowd was one half was ROH, one half was CZW because those were pretty much the two main promotions wrestling in Philly. I think Chikara had done some stuff too, but they weren't as big as they were at this time. And also they were doing stuff more with CZW either way. And that led to the Cage of Death match, which is one of the easily probably one of the top 10 matches in Ring of Honor history and maybe another X Factor for a future day, which led to Homicide winning. Then that led to the whole Ring of Homicide, uh, uh, yeah, Ring of Homicide, Road to Homicide story. And pretty much just check out this ROH CZW feud. Very. If you had bad feelings from the, if you had a bad taste in your mouth from the Alliance feud, this will definitely appetize your taste for interpromotional feud, all-out brawls, craziness. I know that it looks like Ring of Honor were trying to kind of do that with Chicago when they had the uh, the synergy. Yeah, the recent show, wasn't it? Yeah, there's still. I don't know exactly if they're full on with that yet because they, uh, as far as I know, they're still kind of doing stuff because the Young Bucks are the current Chikara Campeonatos de Parejas, and they're still and they're still signed with Ring of Honor, even though as of now they're off because of they're off for the summer. And the pretty pretty much the reason they're gone and T.J. Perkins is gone on Fave is that they're from California and. Sadly, a lot of West Coast people don't get to show up on the East Coast a lot because the plane charges are a bitch. <laughs> yeah, it's a long way. Yeah. It's a big country. Mm-hmm. Number five on the list next up is one that kind of slightly reappeared or an element of it slightly reappeared recently in Ring of Honor. The debut with the Age of the Fall. Yes, the most shocking debut uh, for any stable group kind of type thing in Ring of Honor history, and one that's still probably very controversial to this day due to the events that happened for it. To start things off first, we had to start off with these mysterious messages that were showing up on the ROH forum board from a group called Project 161, and eventually people were as many wrestling fans tend to do when we see cryptic information like that we they try to figure out the clues much like i don't know this show have we been guilty of that never (laughs) anyway um maybe yeah (laughs) am i bullshitting y'all would i do that (laughs) anyway yeah uh uh, at the uh, uh the fans ended up figuring out that ROH was having their 161st show in Chicago, which would be the Man Up pay-per-view taping. So a lot of people are trying to figure out who exactly Project 161 was. Many people were thinking it was Adam Pierce, especially with his stable that would eventually, he would eventually become with the Hangman 3, very kind of having a dark tone, similar to the Age of the Fall 2. And then, and then September 15th came and all eyes were set on whether the what this project 161 was going to do and during the man up pay-per-view um a guy i believe i think it was tyler black if i'm not mistaken was in a mask and talking about the whole project 161 deal and one of the things was they were talking about how they were gonna make a change very kind of revolutionary cryptic style shit like that 
and they were going for all the power. And as you soon realize, their targets were the Briscoes after the amazing ladder war match, which is if we do ever have that top 10 list, that's a match that's definitely on there between uh, Kevin Steen and El Generico versus Jay and Mark. Uh, after the match, the Briscoes win. Uh, El Generico tries to get a handshake from Kevin Steen. Kevin Steen blows him off. And then El Generico walks back in, and the Briscoes are still in the ring. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of fans in ski masks, similar to what the fan had said earlier. Or, yeah, I believe it was Tyler Black. I know he did debut later on, as I'm going to mention. But if if you ever do see the footage from Man Up, you'll notice, like, Dave Prezak and Lenny Leonard talking. Then a guy just comes up in a ski mask, and he sounds very similar to Tyler Black. Anyway... Age of the Fall debuts, which turns out to be Jimmy Jacobs, uh, Tyler Black, the returning Necro Butcher, and Lacey, who was now uh, all in love with Jimmy Jacobs, when for the past couple years it had been Jimmy Jacobs all over Lacey. And so they make their impact felt very greatly attacking the Briscoes, bleeding, causing them to bleed, especially Jay Briscoe, who was later hung up from hung up from the rafters as Jay, as the blood pours down from Jay Briscoe's face onto Jimmy Jacobs standing below, who was wearing a white robe. So yeah, there was definitely a lot of blood stains on that jacket. And for those of you that want to like pictures of the video there, the debut is on YouTube, which it, I know has been posted on the SNS page before, but if you do want us to post it again or ask us for the link, we'll gladly let you know or probably just post it there just because so you'll have a good idea of what we're talking about with this mm. or you can just be or you could just do something and just search it and we don't have to do it for you lazy motherfuckers anyway. yeah, age of the fool it's it, it's probably around but the it reason the stable didn't turn out as well as the debut yeah so a very controversial too, uh, with the whole blood edit thing. They didn't show it on the official pay per view. It cuts off right around where uh, Jay Briscoe starting to come up, uh, starting to uh, starting to uh, as he as he starting to you know they starting to come up from the rafters. Yeah, as he's being raised. There we go. As he's being raised to the top, a pay per view cuts off around there. But the paperclip that I want to insert here is, I believe that same jacket was used when Jimmy Jacobs came in to have his match with Steen at Final Battle, I think. Or, um, uh, wrong show, I know which we, uh, 10th anniversary show. Yeah. 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 Or did he wear it? Yeah, 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 it was the 10th anniversary show, yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was that same jacket. The blood, yeah, it still has the blood on it. Like before, uh, when he had, because Jimmy Jacobs had been gone from Ring of Honor due to uh, some drug issues he was having at the time. Should have probably just said personal problems, but it's known that he had drug issues. And oh, he said himself that's what the whole video was about, talking about how he was just pretty fucked up at that point when during the age of the fall. And if you, especially if you watch later on, especially like 08, like you could see just Jimmy just really not kind of giving a fuck about yeah, it. Yeah, he's out of it. Yeah, like he, he would have a beard one minute. At one point, he did look like a fucked up Chris Angel. <laughs> Which I think that's what he had called himself for the commentators were bringing that up on. Mind Freak. Yeah, Mind Freak. And then I saw a clip uh, about a couple 
about a month or so ago, Chris Angel from around that time, and he looked like him. I was like, oh, shit, they weren't lying. <laughs> but he had, and they, uh, anyway, back to the that old video, and he was showing in his closet how he still had the jacket with the blood stain still on it, which is a eerie reminder of one of his proudest, shocking, disgusting moments in Ring of Honor and his one yeah. Jacob's the evil genius that he is now. Also, that he's willing to take crazy ass bumps for being a small. T- <laughs> so, we're down to the final four. Number four, two words: Teddy Hart. Yes, the main, probably the sole reason why everybody's opinion of Teddy Hart is as it is, or the main evidence. Exhibit A, Exhibit B, C, D, E, held the whole fucking alphabet <laughs> of why Teddy Hart does not get booked pretty much in America, almost North America now. <laughs> yeah, but there's so many exhibits, we even go to double letters. Yes. A, 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 B. A, <laughs> even though he's back with him now. <laughs> but, but, yeah, how do I explain Teddy Hart at made of experience? Well, this is something you've actually seen, Ashley. So you can... <laughs> yeah, that clip. It was uh, was it a tag team cage match? It's the first ever scramble cage tag match, which was Teddy Hart and Jack Evans versus the Backseat Boys versus the Carnage Crew versus Special K. Okay, and the match finishes. I think with a pinfall. Was it? I can't remember who won. I think. Backseat Boys won. I forgot who. Yeah. Who won at this point <laughs> when Teddy Hart comes in to steal the show from Yeah. Teddy Hart then starts climbing the cage and decides to do a jump off the cage. But not just any jump. Was it a shooting star press, I think, the first one? Was a shooting... I believe, yeah, he did a shooting star... There's, like, Three, four moon salts. There's at least one shooting star. But yeah, yeah, he was just. Teddy Hart was just diving off the cage onto. And a lot of people, like, especially with the one where he lands on the ring, they didn't know that he was coming off the cage. So, like, they're literally, like, scrambling just to get it positioned. Yeah. I think <laughs> the, the first one when it happened in the ring was staged. Guys, if you notice. I think, yeah, I think that was supposed to happen. After then. It kind of went completely, oh, I'm doing what the hell I want, because I'm Teddy Hart. Was it selling it, and then, uh, like, you, uh, uh, Tony DeVito from the Carnage crew was getting extremely pissed at Yeah, he did a moonsault onto the outside, onto guys who were clearly just walking about, not realizing that somebody was about to jump on them. Yeah, the special chaos entourage, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he just jumped on to him, and they and the guy from the Carnage Crew just went, "Okay, stuff this." And then he was legitimately trying to beat the shit out of Teddy Hart. Yeah, he was. He was already whipping the other guys, but that was more for kayfabe. This time, he was trying to like sell motherfucker. <laughs> and yeah, just really beating. <laughs> Did he use chair or? He used something. He used some foreign object. Oh, he was whipping him. <laughs> oh, that was it. That was whipping him like crazy with the belt. 
and then he does like three more mood salts and then proceeds to throw up around the ring area. Throw up, do loogies, and then with nobody in the ring, he does a moon salt just into an empty ring off the top. And then at this point, you can see. I know you. I think you see Rob Feinstein come out and be like, "Come on, it's time to go." Yeah, that's enough. And needless to say, he the heat in that was nuclear <laughs> after that happened. Yeah, backstage, I think there would have been a lot of get well soon cards. Yeah. <laughs> Amazingly enough, he made an appearance not too long after that in '04, and then he's only made one other one since then, back in '09, which. That came with some controversy, but not so much because of what they did. Mm-hmm. Or what? Oh yeah, because the plane uh, they couldn't make it, or they didn't make it till way later in the show. Yeah, him and Evans, but yeah, and that's main, and that's one like we were saying, one of the main reasons Teddy Hart is very frowned upon by the IWC and almost anybody who watches wrestling in general let alone probably most of his own family, especially after... I believe there's a video out now where I think it's him blaming, like, Bret Hart for the family's failures. Yeah, that's... That's an interesting video. It's sad just to know, because, like, regardless of all the shit he's getting, Teddy Hart's actually pretty talented. He can wrestle, yeah. like, does the flippy flips and stuff, but, like, his shooting star is beautiful. Like, he can do moonsaults, and that's just, he has the worst fucking attitude in the world. <laughs> and I've heard, like, JJ talk about it, too, that Teddy Hart's, like, almost legit crazy, which, from what mm-hmm. I've heard about it, might have been due to his brother, sadly, passing away due to nasty disease. Yeah. So, top three, and... All three of these are probably big enough for you to have heard of, especially this next one that's coming up. I call it pi- the original Pipe Bomb. <laughs> yeah. You may know it as a two-disc DVD from Ring of Honor that just got recently re-released called The Summer of Punk. Yes, The Summer of Punk. Something that we... that. Many in the many of the WWE fans experienced last year and thought, "Where is this coming from? This is awesome." Well, that hap- Well, this happened over seven years ago, with almost a bit of an inverse there, as in this case, it was CM Punk who had just signed a contract to go to WWE and Death Before Dishonor three, uh, June eighteenth, two thousand five, from Morristown, New Jersey, was going to be his last show. And in it, he faced Austin Aries for the world title, which he went on to defeat him in. In a pretty good match, even though... Oh, great match, yeah. Yeah, great. Even though that the Pepsi Plunge spot was kind of fucked up, even though the yeah, crowd... Yeah, great. <laughs> and sorry to spoil it for those of you that haven't seen it. Aries hit, uh, Austin Aries hits the Pepsi Plunge on Punk, and Punk kicks out at one. And he was like they he was fighting spirit. He was like in total fighting spirit mode there. Which was kinda of fucked up to Aries, especially considering he had just lost to Loki the week before in rather kind of controversial fashion. But that's another story for another time. I think I already talked about it. Anyway, uh CM Punk gets the victory at Death Before Dishonor three and many people are they're well, they're sad seeing Punk go, but they're surprised seeing that he won the title, especially since it was his last time. Because two years before, at the original Death of Tortoise Honor, same incident happened with Paul London, who was 
unsuccessful in his attempt at beating Samoa Joe for the Ring of Honor title. And this, uh, well, Punk was, and uh, th- and this is where history began, where he then proceeded to cut a promo about how he fooled the fans into believing that he was actually leaving, and proceed, and then uh, then threatened to take the ROH title with him to WWE, which led to the uh, reemergence of Christopher Daniels, who had been gone for a year and a half due to. We'll go into that yet again later on. Which, yeah, that that's it, sadly had to get in the honorable mentions, but we'll get to that. Okay. Well, it's honorable mention and the uh, that one. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. Yeah, I I want to say, but I don't want to spoil it for those of you that don't know. But most likely, you probably know what number one is. Either way, the Daniels return had been foreshadowed earlier in the night by Alison Danger, who said that Christopher Daniels was coming back, but she was, she, uh, I think she said at the next show, but he came back at this show, creating a bigger buzz for what had already been happening with that epic prop promo, which was kind of funny in that a lot of, a lot of the fans, some of the fans got that he was talking shit to him in Buddha, but some of them still cheered him, which is eerily reminiscent to what we saw last night at best of the world, a hostage crisis. Nonetheless, this would begin the summer of punk, and at the next show, Sign and Dishonor from Long Island, New York on July 8th, this probably the most controversial moment in the summer of punk saga where CM Punk came out in a suit, which very against tight for CM Punk, even in WWE, <laughs> came out in the suit and signed his WWE developmental contract on the Ring of Honor world title. Trying to prove uh, uh, before that he was bringing up how a lot of people didn't believe he was actually leaving, which uh, especially during this feud, you probably didn't think so, too, because they just kept like a lot of up until he did lose the title was he would leave and it's like, oh, no, Punk's gone forever. Then he'd be back at the next show to kind of like to tease him again, troll him a bit like, oh, I still got your title and I'm still going to the E. And tonight's going to be my last night. Or then the next show, tonight's going to be my next night. And from there on, he would defend the ROH world title at every other show until he would lose the title. At this show, he defended against Jay Lethal, who very early hit his uh, signature dra- release dragon suplex, but didn't, get the, uh, but didn't get the win from that and ultimately didn't get the win at all. Punk escaped to the next night, uh, July 9th, escaped from New York, where uh, during a four-way that happened, he interrupted the four-way to be a dick as usual, or at least in this case, be a dick since he had turned heel because of that. And then Mick Foley came out and threatened to throw Punk off the balcony unless he unless he defended the Ring of Honor title, which he would that night against Roderick Strong, and uh, botched the roll-up, got the victory there. I believe, yeah, that was the one where Foley said fuck. Or one of the promos, he said fuck a yeah, couple Foley times. never swears, and, but then yeah. he went fuck. <laughs> it, it, it was one in 05. I think it was either Escape from New... It was one of those, but yeah, it was... It, yeah. Even, it is on the Ring of Honor DVD package. I would recommend it, because it is a good little package of uh, about <laughs> five to six hours. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd suggest watching the whole shows, which is what I did instead of really watching the DVD, because... I kind of prefer to watch the whole show instead of matches sometimes, even though some shows are probably just that. The key thing is it does feature Mick Foley saying fuck. 
Yeah. <laughs> I think it was that one, yeah. Yeah, and I, I know it's on there. Find it for me, which because I know I've seen it slash heard it, but nonetheless, we move on to the week after, July 16th in Woodbridge, Connecticut for Fate of an Angel, where this time he was defending the ROH title against James Gibson, a.k.a. Jamie Noble. And beforehand, he got into a fight with uh, uh, Gibson, busted open Gibson. Gibson uh, still managed to fight, even though he had been cut open previously. He got cut open again in the match, but lost yet again to CM Punk. Uh, and another common factor with the with Punk was his uh, he would win the title, then he would threaten to leave or whatever, and then... A combination usually of either Samoa Joe, James Gibson, Christopher Daniels, and Mick Foley in some way. One of the four would come up to try to beat on Punk a little bit and make sure he doesn't do the right, uh, do the wrong thing. And then uh, the next week after that at the homecoming, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the homecoming for eight. The reason it was named that because this was AJ Styles and uh, Christopher Daniels return to Philly. ROH shows, which of course they had been missing from. We'll get into that later. Anyway, this match goes an hour long. Not too bad of a match, even though I've heard it's, it's one of it, if you if you you'll have to watch it for yourself. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be because I heard it wasn't really that good, but it's a decent match nonetheless. Uh, the match goes to one hour draw just as soon as Daniels is about to pin Punk with the Angels' wings. And then afterwards, Punk would punch Alice in Danger in the face and then run off and forgot how he escaped that time. But then this would lead to Redemption, August 12, 2005 in Dayton, Ohio, the show where CM Punk finally lost the title in a four-way elimination match for the Ring of Honor World title. CM Punk versus Samoa Joe versus Christopher Daniels versus James Gibson. A really good match. Really love the psychology in this match. Because uh, Punk was trying his hardest to avoid fighting Samoa Joe, the guy who was probably the only guy in ROH he couldn't beat, especially during the whole Punk-Joe trilogy back in 04, which he never did beat him in those three matches, and only Joe beat him the one time. Either way, uh, they ha- uh, the four-way happened. Gibson was busted open yet again by Punk by a steel chair shot. It was sent to the back. To return later, we'll get back into that. Anyway, Joe ended up. I think he made Daniels tap out, or he got the pin on. He eliminated Daniels, and then Daniels inadvertently got an injury on Joe. Punk rolled up Joe, and finally, in uh, the three years he had been in Ring Honor, was able to defeat Samoa Joe. And then James Gibson came back, and then hit a super t- uh, super Gibson driver, which is Tiger Bomb driver, whatever you want to call it, off the. Uh, to win the match and become the new Ring of Honor World Champion. And then Punk was faced again afterwards, and then this would lead to the show after that Punk, the final chapter, the tearful, uh, his tearful entrance coming out to a very good song by Bouncing Souls called Night Train. And then the two out of three falls match he had with Cabana, which he actually lost. And kind uh, of. You go out on your back. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. Even though he would make an appearance, uh, when would that have been? August, so September, October, November, December. Six months later at their Unscripted 2 show, due to a lot of the wrestlers not being able to make it because of a snowstorm, and there he got the he made he got the win on uh, Jimmy Rave in the tag match with him and Danielson versus 
uh, versus Adam Pearce and Jimmy Ray. Kind of funny seeing that in Punk's last appearance, he teamed with Danielson. I think that was the only, apart from that and possibly one other time, that's the only time Punk and Brian fought each other in Ring of Honor. Well, and they were tag team. But yeah, they only fought one time in Ring of Honor. Midnight, what's it? Mid- no, not Midnight Express Reunion. Um, Reborn Stage 1. That was the show where yeah. Ricky was the special guest referee. And the pictures you may have seen on WWE when referencing the few or their past. It may even feature in the CM Punk DVD whenever that comes out. It might. Because I've heard there might be some Ring of Honor matches actually somehow included. Possibly. And it seems like they've been able to... I wouldn't be surprised if they showed the pictures on the the ROH and FIP pictures on on, um, WWE.com. Hmm. Well, which will make me... I will buy that TV if there is. Yeah. It's like, yes. God damn it. Give it, give it to me now. That's just William. Yeah. Like, just imagine they do that the same with more of the indie wrestlers that come by. Like, Danielson will probably get one, even though I think he's getting the Superstar Collection soon. Um, well, I know. I think they, from what I saw from one description thing, it looks like Brian will be getting a two or three disc DVD from WWE at some point, I think. See, that uh, you made it in the Indies. <laughs> Be able to get your old DVD set for WWE. Yeah. Now, number two on our list of the top ten most controversial moments. The firing of Gabe Sapolsky. Yes. The last original member from the, uh, original, the guys to have started Ring of Honor back in 2002, Gabe Sapolsky... Uh, his firing back October 26, 2008, the day after the Ring of Homicide 2 show. And uh, uh, around for uh, many people that have seen Ring of Honor over the years, there's kind of certain like ways to kind of section up certain years, especially for people getting new into it. I know they had had like chapters or like, these shows would be this chapter and that. But the best way to kind of describe some stuff is like when Gabe was hot and then when Gabe had his, when Gabe was like hit or miss, when the batteries were fried out or whatever simile metaphor you want to use to explain the fact that what was making Ring of Honor so badass and popular, all the great booking he had and from 03 to 06 just kind of went away. And I, uh, to me, I pinpoint the exact moment being Motor City Madness 2006, even though it can be argued in, like they were in a bit of a slump. Well, they had, they had been in, like 2006 was a really good year for them, and then it kind of went off near the end. Final Battle was pretty good, but from, yeah, Motor City Madness, that kind of stretch of shows up to Final Battle wasn't really up to par and then 07 was it one of their best years they were uh if you see a lot of 07 you you'd be almost convinced Gabe was trying to copy dragon gate with a lot of the stables they had some good some didn't work out um then 08 wasn't really doing any better either so the writing was on the wall and he was eventually canned after the ring of homicide show and was replaced by adam pierce starting 
and they would have their next show about a, a week or two later, the French Connection in, uh, I believe it was Montreal. No, it was in Quebec, but there. And, of course, Gabe Sapolsky still has totally good relationship with Ring of Honor. Of course, I was being sarcastic as fuck there, as we know. <laughs> Gabe Sapolsky now uh, is running uh, Dragon 8 USA and Evolve, and uh, there's been a vendetta almost against Ring of Honor, especially when Ring of Honor had the pay-per-view feeds and Gabe was retweeting practically every post that was talking shit on him. He would, he had posted a Facebook thing. They sent like a cease and desist. It's been like at first when Gabe left, it wasn't really, it seemed a bit mutual or like there wasn't no bad blood until the, uh, Davey Richards incident happened when, Dragon Gate, because Davey Richards and uh, little no fact, Davey Richards founded Evolve with Gabe Sapolsky and Sal Hamoy, and Evolve was essentially going to be like a vanity project, almost in a way, for Davey Richards, which ROH ended up becoming for him. Yeah. <laughs> and so Davey Richards pretty much had to choose between working for Gabe or working for Ring of Honor. Of course, we know he chose Ring of Honor, and then that kind of set the line in the sand, and a lot of people had to choose one or the other, which is still kind of like that to this day, which may mean no more El Generico in Ring of Honor, if that's the case. But sometimes people, but a lot of people have switched and some don't. Like Jimmy Jacobs was wrestling there for a while until he came back to ROH. So it's kind of, I don't know what would be the best wrestling metaphor for that, but I'd say almost any company, where's WWE and TNA? <laughs> Here we go. It's kind of one, but without all that blood or TNA, ROH, or so like that. But either way, Gabe Sapolsky and ROH, what used to be a beautiful relationship, is now turned into a spiteful one. Yeah. And speaking of relationships <laughs> and inappropriate ones, the number one. <laughs> The number one most shocking moment is the Rob Feinstein incident. Yes, the incident I love to coin as to catch a Feinstein. This, <laughs> this and as uh, a lot of you are probably figuring out now, I had uh, I had asked the question to the Facebook page asking about your moments from Ring of Honor that you would consider shocking. And as you can see, most of those moments are on there. And I forgot who it was that posted on there, but he's like, there's no doubt that Rob Feinstein has can be, is there anything that would top Rob Feinstein? And there easily is it with all the things that had happened to ring of honor. There's nothing that will top what happened on March 3rd, 2004, when he was, when Rob Feinstein was caught in a perverted justice sting out in, I believe it was either New Jersey, either New Jersey. It was in the Northeast area. I forgot exactly where. It might have been Pennsylvania. Either way, he was on the NBC News that night, and this was the worst timing. Well, would have been good timing either way because you know he tried to have sex with a fourteen-year-old boy. As I was joking with Ashley before the show, one of the or a little kind of joke they say about it because he had said it. LOL. Just I'll pretend you said eighteen which is something that Rob Feinstein said. I actually read some of the transcripts from it. Very, yeah, it's, well, I don't even, how how would I describe a fucking pedophilia case like that? 
and a case that almost cost Ring of Honor their uh, almost cost Ring of Honor. There might not have been a Ring of Honor had it not uh, had it not been for that. Uh, to kind of paint a picture of it, very early on in 2003, their first year, they were having some money issues, and were almost done just a year in. And then this is kind of where Kerry Silkin came into the picture because Doug Gentry, who uh, who was the third guy that was pretty much running Ring of Honor along with Feinstein and Sapolsky, brought in Kerry Silkin to kind of help with money. Of course, Kerry Silkin would end up buying out Ring of Honor from Feinstein, but that would have happened till later. Either way, the another reason this was bad timing was that uh, Ring of Honor had a bit huge show happening on March 14th at Elizabeth, New Jersey for At Our Best, which was the – was it March March 13th, I believe? It was the day before WrestleMania 20, and they were like – and a lot of people had pulled out like low-key quit ROH at that time due to his disgust for that. He would return a couple months later. What we were going into earlier – or trying to explain it, the main – the biggest probably blow was TNA pulling their talent, which included the main ones being Christopher Daniels, AJ Styles, also including Amazing Red, Chris Saban, Jerry Lynn. And the only, as far as I know, the only, uh, the only TNA contracted employee to have stayed with Ring of Honor and quit TNA in the process was none other than CM Punk. Which he mentioned in the sign, the promo he did where he signed the contract on the, where he signed the WWE contract on signed a dishonor. He was the only one which turned out to be a great move for him. And another reason this hurt, uh, it took a, like the whole fight sign incident took away a lot of their star talent because, as I mentioned, the Styles of Daniels. Daniels was in the middle of the huge feud with Punk at the time. AJ Styles was the pure wrestling champion, so there went a champion. Zero uh, One, I believe, pulled Steve Carino and Spanky and Loki, who also quit. Want to say another company might have pulled their people. I can't think right now. Uh, Abyss was going to be at the show, but he decided not to show up because of that. Roddy Piper was going to be there, and he decided not to. Uh, yeah, this had very huge uh, consequences for Ring of Honor. Ended up cost, and at one point TNA and R at one point TNA ROH were actually going to try to settle things out because one of the main reasons TNA didn't want to have any business with Ring of Honor was well, the fact their owner was a fucking pedo bear and fucking um, they were just starting to get the deal with Impact or were start trying to get on TV. And they didn't want to be associated with Ring of Honor. And they were willing to work with Ring of Honor because a lot of fans sent in complaints saying they shouldn't do that. Even though as much as TNA does get maligned, they were perfectly in the right for wanting to do that. So they set up a meeting where they where ROH had to promise that Rob Feinstein had no part in Ring of Honor. Because there were rumors going around that Feinstein didn't really sell his shares and was still part of Ring of Honor, and there was rumors that he was going to show up at, at our best or was going to be there backstage. As far as I know, he uh, after the incident, he never showed up at a Ring of Honor show again. Not that he would, because, well, yeah, that's easily explained. But at, uh, at our best turned out to be a huge success for Ring of Honor, getting in their biggest crowd at the time, probably like 1,000, 2,000 around there. And... Um, this ended up leading to ROH starting the reborn phases, which led to 
which is the reason Generation Next came around. Alex Shelley, Austin Aries, Roderick uh-huh. Jack Evans, and led to a resurgence in Ring of Honor. Also, the Joe Punk trilogy happened slightly because of it, even though... But nonetheless, 2004, for a year that could have been their lowest low, turned out to be one of their highest highs, and shows that even when the chips are down, you can still manage to persevere and fight and still be on top. Where Ring of Honor is today is arguably the number three promotion in the United States. Yeah, and it also shows that Rob Feinstein was messed up. Yeah. A lot of people have, like, banned, like, RF video stuff or just don't do that. I've seen some of the shoots they've done since then. It's weird, because he still, he still interviews them, too, so it's like, you would think somebody would confront him over it or, like, say, what the fuck, man? <laughs> and to this day, Rob Feinstein never faced any charges over that. Yeah. Where's Judge Judy when you need her? <laughs> I was expecting to catch a fine sign. Where's Chris Hansen? <laughs> yeah. So you so you own rest so you own a wrestling promotion. <laughs> oh God! I, you, you, you say that now, and I've just seen the transcript, and I'm just thinking, oh no. Uh, should we go? Uh, we probably should have got in this before the number one, but we had some honorable mentions. One of them being Chris Hero. Showing up at final battle. I really didn't feel that shocking of a moment, but to an extent it was considering yeah. he had him yeah. up in Ring of Honor for a while and the, his talk signing with it, the... It was the round of time when he was apparently going to be signing with the the E. And the fact was that week the thing had come through him saying that he tested positive for elevated testosterone. And so everybody thought, okay... He'll go for back for the second test, and this is testosterone will be fine, and then he'll be in. And then I think I think that was actually on the Wednesday or the Thursday, and then the Friday came round, which was just before Christmas. Because it was, was it Christmas Eve or it would have been it was Christmas Eve because it was yeah it was like late in December. Yeah, it was twenty fourth. Oh, uh, for those of you who watch Seinfeld, or you might. Somebody, uh, what what's Christmas Day? Because they were bringing, or not Christmas Day? That's something else. Uh, was it? I know I'm messing it up. I didn't watch Seinfeld a lot. Uh, what's that holiday that uh, Costanza came up with? Oh, um, because sure. uh, CEO Sinclair was bringing that up. That's the reason I remember the day that it was. Uh, now we uh, paperclip for ourselves there. But if you remember what exactly we're talking about, then you'll know exactly what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, the, the fact is it was two days before the final battle pay-per-view and there was this whole big thing about Roderick Strong was going to face <coughs> an unknown opponent. Elgin. Was it an open challenge? Was, <coughs> was it an open challenge? Yeah, it was. Hmm. And there were loads of people saying, oh, oh it's Rhino, it's uh, yeah. uh, John Morrison. And then all of a sudden, the lights go out and everyone's going, okay, who is it, who is it? And then Chris Hero appears and everyone's like, wow. And as, as you mentioned, this is the only time in Ring of Honor when he was face. Well, yeah, that and then the Michael Elgin match. He, yeah, 
that that's one thing I found amazing. A lot of people tend to like usually they'll go face heel run or whatever the crowd thinks of about the time. But yeah, Chris Hero up until those last two appearances had been a heel his whole time. So that was certainly I think worth a mention just for something that's relatively recent that people will probably be able to catch. Because the match he had with the matches he had with Strong and Elgin were two good matches. Yeah. As well. And then the other one that was worth mentioning, which kind of encompasses into quite a few of the other shocking moments, is the whole situation between TNA and Ring of Honor. Yeah, they've had a kind of love-hate history, as we mentioned, the Feinstein incident being uh, led to that. And then when AJ and then AJ Daniels were allowed to beat work for ROH again, and then it was fine, and then ROH was getting pay-per-view, and then TNA pulled the talent again. Which this time, that was another reason that didn't help 2007 too much because they pulled, who was it, Aries, even though he would come back about a month later, Homicide, who was the champ, well, had been the champ until Morishima, Samoa Joe was the biggest one. Um, I want to say there was somebody else, but those are the, uh, Daniels, which came as a surprise to many because they had been announcing the others were leaving, but Daniels just looked. Just did it all in the blue in a very good promo, kind of uh, pipe bomb promo to the fans. So that's. Uh, I don't think there's any other honorable mentions that we could can't come off the top of our head. Um, nothing really that I can think of. There wasn't. Because what would there? Um. The ICP thing I thought was too. It wasn't really that big. It was of a ICP. Deal. What'd you expect? Yeah, they, <laughs> the, the match wasn't really just bad. It's just the fans could give two fucks for him and hated their fucking guts. There was when Conan got booed. Really? Oh yeah, because he botched all those moves. Mm. Like it was one of the worst exchanges I've ever seen. This thing looked bad. Um. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So there's your list. I don't know. We got plenty of other things that we could do. Something I'm thinking of, given that we're near the anniversary, possibly in the next few weeks, would be top ten pipe bombs. Yeah, that should be a good one. Now on the anniversary of the Hey Cult <laughs> and various other stuff that happened with WWE be interesting to see what other ones from anywhere and everywhere that we can. Probably Daniels is one that will feature. Yeah, that'll be... That's definitely not a mention for sure. One that's a lot of people probably don't know about so much, especially because a lot of people have been leaving there, but very heated talking about how the fans are the only ones that believe that TNA and ROH have a feud. One that definitely wouldn't be in the top ten, but would be an honorable mention because it turns out it was actually Keyfabe on purpose, shoot, was Goldust when he was in WCW as seven. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they got me out here looking like Uncle Fester. They covered me in Tipex. Yeah. <laughs> that whole thing. But anyway, yeah, well, there'll be more of those in upcoming weeks 
intersped with discussion on whatever the hell we want to do and some other stuff where some of us will may go against our beliefs and just randomly side with an argument like John Cena is the best thing to happen to TNA. <laughs> Something weird like that that we that we won't expect us to say, but we will well, defend the right to it. That might hold some. Well, nah. <laughs> Never mind. I'm, no, we're not it, talking about divorces. For some people, um, and yeah, we'll just pretend like that didn't happen either way. Yeah, we're not talking about divorces. Oh. Anyway, I was gonna bring that up, but oh well. Oh, it's worth a mention, but it's not gonna be brought up any further. That's that's a side mention, but yeah, yeah. (laughs) When we come back from the break, we're gonna have a run through of the card that just happened for the Ring of Honor Best in the World slash Hostage Crisis pay per view. So. Hope you can join us for that as we take a quick commercial break and we'll see you in a few. Bronx man. Andy, what's going on? Why is it that wrestling fans can't seem to handle the truth? Maybe because the truth will set you free and they enjoy being shackled by the corporate headquarters of the WWE. This is the place where we command the truth. We tell it where to go. It is right here. The Pro Wrestling Rewind every Wednesday night, 9 p.m. exclusively on the SNS Radio Network. What is up, my SNS peeps? I am the sensational sequel, Sensational Sean. And Ashley, too. Yes, it's still my name. I haven't changed it yet. If you don't know who we are, I mean, we have this really cool show on the SNS Radio Network. It's called The Open Book. We cover wrestling, any, like, big news that happens in the week, but we more so cover the pay-per-views. We talk about how they went and how we think they should have gone. We cover a little thing called fantasy booking. We also cover all the biggest gaming news, games that have come out, and game reviews. Plus, we've got the latest from the world of film entertainment. Also, perhaps an off-so-regular performance by me in the reviews of movies, too. This is The Open Book. Catch us every week right here at the SNS Radio Network.
listen to all the shows of the SNS Radio Network live on your iPhone, BlackBerry, and Android. Visit www.mobileradio.info. And check us out on the TuneIn Radio app. Every Thursday, the SNS Radio Network gets in the ring and starts running the ropes. When I want, I, okay, I, want, I caught SmackDown again. I caught, she, I skipped Sheffield's gimmick, and I couldn't help but to think that his new gimmick sounds like an Arby's uh, roast beef sandwich. Join Brian Maverick Bertrand and Chris Kelly from HeadlocksHeadlines.com as they talk about every random thing going on within the WWE, TNA, Ring of Honor, and the NorCal Independent Scene. Running the Ropes also features interviews with stars from the past. It's me, it's me, it's the D-O-double-G, the road dog Jesse James. Present. What's going on, this is Kazarian. And this is the Fallen Angel Christopher Daniels. And future. Hey guys, it's Dream of Fakis. And so much more. So join the guys every week on Running the Ropes right here on the SNS Radio Network. <laughs> Hey, wrestling fans, do you want to break from the day-to-day ins and outs of the WWE, TNA, and Ring of Honor? Do you like talk radio that pulls no punches? And do you like your sci-fi and fantasy? Well, tune in to the Elite Force Podcast each and every midweek with Chuck W., and each weekend with William Walkie Walker and Mindwipe. Exclusively on the SNS Radio Network and the Chris Jones Gaming Network. Yeah. This is going to be fun. this show which will have a name within probably about at least within the most an hour because I think that's all we can really run with this because it's time to talk the Ring of Honor best in the world card or as it had to be redubbed due to Kevin Steen Ring of Honor hostage crisis or is it best in the world hostage crisis or is it hostage crisis best in the world or is it just my name is not Kevin Steen? 
I don't know. <laughs> uh, d- d- what's the official title, Randy? Is it Best in the World Hostage Crisis? Best or? in the World Hostage Crisis, I okay. believe, is the official title. It's unclear because the, the poster for it has Hostage Crisis over the, the, the thing, so I just wondered whether they just renamed it. Yeah, they there was a slight renaming similar to Vengeance yeah, Night of Champions. There you go. That was one. That wasn't the one I was thinking, but that one or um, No Way Out of Texas. One Night Stand Extreme Rules. Yeah, that too. All that. Hmm. That title's too long. Let's cut it. But anyway, uh, the first match that was on the card, which kind of is a mystery match because it's the Briscoe Brothers. Taking on the Guardians of Truth. Now, this was billed as these two people that would be brought in that wasn't going to be Elgin or anybody else in, affiliated with Truth Martini. And basically, to me, it appears that they're the executioners. You know who they are? I, no. I, I believe who they are the headbangers. Oh, that's Martian Frasher? Yeah. Wow. The, I heard, I just want I to heard see it was the headbangers again. <laughs> and they did say not too long ago that they were going to appear in one of the three companies. So I'm guessing that must be it. Yeah. Otherwise, there's going to be a surprise on TNA. Or WWE <laughs> in the next couple of weeks. And again, the headbanger—he could come back for for Raw with the whole Heath Slater gimmick thing. I heard they dropped that. I don't know. Mm. It worked with Vader. Yeah, but we'll see what happens. But yeah, this was. What was your thoughts on the match, Randy? Because from what from way it looks, it wasn't too bad an opening. Yeah, there was nothing. There's nothing like horrible about it. Nothing. It wasn't the. I probably would have been to say it was the worst match on this card, and that's arguably one of the later matches on the card. <laughs> but um, this was. It was all right. It got its job done. They did it really. Looks like the Guardians of Truth are still going to be around because they attacked the Briscoes afterwards after the Briscoes won. Uh, I countered the. Uh, it was a counter to a counter because on I don't know which who has what tattoo, but guard we'll say Guardian and Truth guy number one slash Mosh Rasher <laughs> um, tried to counter the Doomsday device with a roll up, but Jay Briscoe countered it with one of his own. Yeah. Uh, next match that was up was the. The the build it was billed as I think two former champions going head to head, which was Homicide taking on Eddie Edwards. This was a pretty good match, probably one the uh, probably the best I've seen Homicide look in a while. Like ever since he left TNA, he has not been the same. Especially if you watch early Homicide, it's two completely different homicides. Mm. And uh, apparently Eddie Edwards had suffered an arm injury uh, prior before the match, which, uh, as far as I know, is a legit injury because on the Ring of Honor show, there was nothing really wrong with his arm, even though he did receive the cop killer. I think they call it the gringo killer there now, uh, because probably because of corporate. Uh, 
when he took that on TV. So Homicide and Eddie Edwards fight in this one. This is a pretty good affair. Homicide gets the win with the Gringo Killer. Homicide, I believe, has a title shot coming up against Kevin Steen very soon. Edwards is yeah, more than winning that take. match. Yes. There we go. And Edwards is probably going to take time off now due to the arm injury, which is, which he suffered injuries in his arm before. Most famously, he broke his elbow in a match with Kevin Steen in the night after still competing in Ladder War II. Mm. Yes. Speaking of injuries, <laughs> the oh. next match was the hybrid fighting rules match between... Former teammates, Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole. Yeah, the hybrid fighting rules match. I'll be honest with this match. I really wasn't expecting a lot out of this match. Like with me, I like MMA. Hell, I was watching the UFC pay-per-view last, uh, not last night. Um, whenever the hell it happened, there's too many of them, goddammit. And they say wrestling pay-per-views have a lot. Anyway, get off the soapbox, back onto this match. MMA wrestling, to me... Uh, sometimes you can mix it, sometimes you can't. Like, in Chikara, the mixed martial Archie gimmick, well, former gimmick now that he's gone from Chikara, was very awesome in its spoof, almost maybe a spoof of Davey Richards, practically, but more a sp- uh, parody of MMA in general. Nonetheless, the reason I'm bringing this up is this match was very... Of course, the hybrid fighting rules uh, kind of conjures up images of MMA where you could uh, you cannot exit the ring and you can only win by pinfall submission or knockout. And holy shit, this match was fucking good. <laughs> like, depending on what you think about the main event, especially things that happen, this might have been match in the night for you. This was easily top two matches, either number two or number one depending on your mileage there. And as Ashley was mentioning earlier, Adam Cole easily got made a star here more than he did pinning Davey Richards when he was champ at the 10th anniversary show three months ago. In this, Adam Cole ended up losing a tooth and was bleeding all over his mouth. And much like Austin got over with the image of his uh, blood squirting out of his head at WrestleMania 13, Adam Cole just going toe-to-toe with Kyle O'Reilly and just staying dominant, really. And especially the blood. There, the one, there was like a camera shot in particular where it showed him and like his whole mouth looked covered in blood like he was on the cover of an Andrew W.K. album. Yeah. It, was, it certainly... Graphic shot, which is up on the Facebook page. Yes. Very graphic shot. And Adam Cole ended up getting the victory here with a figure four leg lock. And then Kyle O'Reilly, still being the whiny bitch that he is, decides not to shake Cole's hand, essentially solidifying him as a heel. But he would get even more solidified, as we'll find out later on. Yeah. Next up... Really interesting match as well. Perhaps the the in well the angle in going on here seemed very intriguing and it involves Michael Elgin. Still a truth martini, but by the looks of it only just taking on, on Fit Finley. Yeah, this match was 
if for those of you who saw uh, Family Smash last month against Roderick, it was somewhat of the same of that. And especially if you've seen a lot of Family matches since he's returned, they're they're very very slow paced matches. I've seen a Finley match live. Sadly, it sucked. Maybe because Kozlov was in it, and this was '09 Kozlov, early '09 Kozlov. So depending on how good he was around there. <laughs> That gives was you that, good, that match. Was that when Kozlov got released? No, no this was he was still heel at this time. This was this would have been it was just after Judgment Day happened because Edge brought yeah. up how how Hardy did it beat him at Judgment Day. Yeah, this was yeah Judgment Day in between there. It it was the day it was the day of hard justice, May twenty fourth. There we go. Now we need JJ's voice of going hard justice. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a pale imitation. I apologize, JJ, if you're listening. Is he? <laughs> no, we should have joked like that. Yes, he is listening to this, much like we listen to WNL. The world two- is listening. Come yes, on, the world is listening. <laughs> uh, back on to the point at hand. Uh, this was. It was a slow-paced match, as I mentioned before. Very, uh, it, it had psychology to it, which was a plus for it being slow-paced. But I don't know if it was everybody's cup of tea. The crowd was really bored at the match. The crowd could give two shits about it, and the Finley it seems like tried to do more mats that probably to make them care about it. Like there's a boring chant. During the show, uh, during the show, during the match. Anyway, long story short, Elgin gets the victory with the uh, buckle bomb followed by the spiral bomb. I just find it interesting that they say it's boring, yet when it happens with Davey Richards, it becomes a five star match. <laughs> yeah. Just saying. It's very slow pace, but that and, uh, and I remember when I was watching this stream, there was a comment that was pretty funny. It's like these fans claim to want more wrestling, but we're booing the fa- <laughs> booing anybody doing Matt Holt. <laughs> I do find the dichotomy in that very hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So next up, well, next up after the interval was a promo with Mike Bennett with Maria. Which is genius. Oh, man. That, ooh. Something happened after the intermission, (laughs) especially with three, well, one promo was expected to be that way. With two of the promos that would happen in the second half of the show. And what Mike Bennett kind of promised something kind of controversial, well, just the same stuff he always does, really. But what was controversial was the promo following that with Mike Mondo, a.k.a., and I know this might shock some people, Mikey from the Spirit Squad. Hang on. Mikey! (laughs) He came out apparently from New York, or I must have forgot that he was from New York, fellow New Yorker, pretty much talking about New York. And he tended to say fuck a lot. Or, well, he tended to cuss on that one, but... And he had easily the line of the night saying, after I beat you, I'm gonna fuck you, talking to Maria. What was it? It was another F-word, wasn't it? Yeah, there was a few... No, no, it was was a clean F-word. It was... 
no, yeah. After I, finish, finish, after I finish you, Bennett, Maria, I'm gonna fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's damn. And also, but the, the even best thing is before it. Mondo. The best thing was before Mondo c- came out. Maria and Mike just m- made out in the ring. Yeah. Maria looking hot as usual. Of course, Crowley can attest to that. Well, he <laughs> But then again, oh, most of the word. SNS faithful would too. Yeah, I, I, well, I yeah. see Maria up close too. She's gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. Maria trolling Mondo was pretty funny afterwards during the extended beatdown, which ended up turning into a match, which Mondo got the victory for with a roll up. And it was an interesting little segment there. Really got Mondo over, starting to really get over. Apparently, he did wonders in that Richards time limit draw from Charleston. So that's a match that I'll have to see in about two months because that's when the DVDs come out. <laughs> but yeah. Delays. Yeah. But next up was the. Triple, was it triple threat or was it three way? Three way was elimination. Three way dance for the T. Well, three way dance we might as well call it because most people yeah. will know three way dances are elimination style. But yeah. it was the TV title on the line. <laughs> yeah, it was the TV title on the line with Roderick Strong defending against both Tommaso Ciampa and Jay Lethal. This was a good match. Um. Uh, w- one thing that's been interesting for anybody that watches Ring of Honor TV is the the collusion that has seen the, the that has seen the collusion that has come apart between House of Truth and the Embassy, which all started when the uh, when Truth Martini bought Rhino from the Embassy for seventy thousand dollars, and it, it has changed. Apparently, the Embassy are making sure are trying to keep Tommaso Ciampa away from the TV title which Roderick Strong currently holds in the House of Truth to appease Truth and Roderick. Then there are some complications in the match they did have where Nana is pretty much having to do what he has to do to screw his own uh, his own charge over. And you've also had Artie Evans with the no comments and the funny ways he's been get, uh, getting Nana not to talk, even though Nana has been trying to say what it is or what it isn't, which is probably bad not to bring up that they're colluding, especially that you have a pretty crazy Champa now, especially with that blonde beard looking, whatever the fuck that is. Right back. <laughs> no, it's the same kind of thing. Up until when he lost the lethal... He was unbeaten, wasn't he? Well, yeah, yeah, he had an unbeaten streak. Yeah, that's yeah. He's he's Crimson. He's Goldberg. He's Ryback. He's Samoa Joe. He's uh, who else had an undefeated streak? Uh, Insert wrestler here with undefeated streak. He is Ry. He is Ry. He is Ry Crimberg. He's Ry Crimberg. That's it. Ry Crimberg. Longer than any of them had it. Yeah, because he'd been he's been around there for about a little less than two years, so he would have been. Yeah, I think he's before all of them. Well, not Goldberg, but Crimson, the more recent streaks in the other two companies. Yeah. 
And yeah, Tommaso Ciampa pretty much went crazy. Uh, part of that crazy transformation was the blonde beard he has, even though he has a uh, dark uh, dark hair or a dark mohawk. Or I think he cut it off. I forgot what the hairstyle is. I just remember that damn beard. Either way, this three-way was pretty good. A very creative spot. I'd say move of the night where Jay Lethal had the figure four applied on Roderick Strong and also had a crossface applied on Tommaso Ciampa. Oh, sweet. Yeah, it was a nice spot. Yeah, like I said, spot of the night. Um, the match comes to an end when uh, Tommaso Ciampa goes for Project Ciampa. A lot of distraction goes around because you had... Well, you had Truth Martini at ringside for Roderick Strong, and with the embassy, you had Prince Nana, Artie, uh, Bear Star, Artie Evans, apparently Ernie Osiris. They fired his ass, sadly. They don't treat their RH students very well. That's another story from the day. And the very lovely Princess Mia, who delivered a stiff super kick to Jay Lethal at one point during the match. And if and you've seen Jay Lethal's it, corner, was an invisible person. <laughs> it was AJ. And that might even be a paper clip, but I think I pretty much... I I saw a funny clip, uh, sorry to get off topic here, that my friend Cedric pointed out to me. And uh, a lot of people, are you going to search for this? Hell, I hope you do. If not, then what the fuck is wrong with you? Either way, uh, AJ Lee was at TNA one time, or in the crowd... Look up uh, at Hard Justice 2008. She was with Jay Lethal's parents in the crowd during his black tie chain. And, uh, what was it? Black tie and chain brawl, whatever the stipulation was against Sanjay Dutt. Oh, sweet. So there you go. Research. Hard Justice 08. Jay Lethal. Hmm. Google now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Listen to the show and do that, or mute one of the mute the video and listen to us. I was gonna say mute us. Why am I gonna do that? Right. <laughs> then they miss out on the conversation. Don't do that. Listen to us all the time. Yeah, and, we're talking about the we're talking about the rest of the match now. Indoctrination aside, uh, the finish comes where Champa goes for his project. Champa wishes a power bomb into a double knee backbreaker. Uh, distractions come. Prince Nana ends up rolling, literally rolling to cut off Champa's legs, get strong to pin, and then strong gets the win by the uh, end of heartache or the newer variation, even though this one didn't come out as good as the one he did on Adam Cole. Which you've seen that move, the newer version of the Orange Crush Backbreaker he does. Yeah, he's, ve- he's given a little bit of a variant to it, hasn't he? Yeah, I think he. Well, this wasn't a good second time because it it looked like one of the comments I saw on that ain't the anus blower. <laughs> yeah, it's it's that nice. <laughs> yeah, and Roderick Strong retains, and yeah, Champa is going to be at the embassy soon. I'm looking forward to the collusion, the House of Truth embassy, House of Embassy. Embassy of Truth, I don't know, come up with your own mashup name. Weird Hat. Weird Hat. <laughs> yeah. Weird Hats, there you go, Nana with Prince, his, Yeah. Prince Nana, Nana, Truth <laughs> Martini, Weird Hats. I hope that that's going to be like a super stable. Because <laughs> it would be, 
Well, most likely Elgin and Chomp are leaving both. So Strong, the Headbangers, Rhino, and that's it. <laughs> I'll probably All add we more need people. now is Scotty Too Hotty. Weird hats would be perfect. <laughs> you know who I like to see go, even though I think they should have done this later? Adam Cole. That's got nothing to do with weird hats. Unless Adam Cole I, starts wearing weird hats. Uh, uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I asked as him to replace Tommaso Ciampa as the crown jewel of the embassy, because if you've seen his stuff in ZZW, Adam Cole is a really good heel. And also that would reunite him with me again, or princess me in ROH. But Cole's pretty good face too. And Kyle's pretty good as the Kyle O'Reilly's pretty good as the whiny bitch heel. Yeah. So next up is good, but (laughs) yeah. Next up is an interesting match. The tag titles are on the line as the... Well, they were the world's greatest tag team. Now they're just wrestling's greatest tag team. Chelton Benjamin and Charlie Haas taking on the All Night Express. Rhett, Titus, and... Oh, I've forgotten the other man. Oh, how could you? It's Chelton Benjamin, Wick Charisma, Kenny King. Kenny King, that's the one. Like, if you've seen Kenny King, I'm convinced if this is what Shelton Benjamin should have been when he had the push. He's pretty much Shelton Benjamin with Mike skills. I couldn't remember off the top of my head, but I knew I knew it was the All Night Express because some big stuff went down here. Yes, some big stuff did go down. But remember earlier when I was talking about how the opening match wasn't really that bad? I had to say this match was the low point of the card, sadly. Even yeah. it, even though the result was a good result. And even the ending of that was kind of bad. The crowd didn't give a shit about it, which you'll get with New York crowds. Or, well, kind of smart crowds in general. That, But then again, the match wasn't really that good. So yeah. the, way that. The, the way the ending evolved was a bit odd. Yeah. It's like weird that when they do the, what do they call it, the Broken Arrow endings, like there was, I forgot if it was 10th Anniversary or Final Battle where the Briscoes won just countering that move and it was like, that's the fucking finish? No, but it was the whole idea of the telling the referee to, set, you know, stop the match, otherwise uh, they're going to kill him. Yeah. And that then, was just a bit King, odd. Like, Oh, yeah, Kitty King was a little, get your ass up, get your bitch ass up. <laughs> Talking to Rhett Titus to pump him up. I'd say that's some very unusual pumping up, but probably more attuned to real life than anything else. If we want to get into that whole kayfabe real territory. Yeah. Which I don't, we don't. So, <laughs> yeah, this match was... Uh, one thing with wrestling's greatest tag team is their matches in ROH tend to be a mixed bag. Where the king, uh, the kings of wrestling matches, both of them were really good. I think they had three, but all of them were good. The Briscoe matches have been kind of, especially because the finishes tend to be really shitty. The title change being one, and then the one I just mentioned earlier. The A and X, this wasn't. Future Shock, I remember they had a decent stuff. They're like, and that's part of the reason why the fans probably turned on them. They're not, for all the hype they kind of did get, they haven't really delivered so much. Or like they've been that awe-inspiring. 
Yeah. And then a lot of people just don't like Haas, which, yeah, I've always kind of wondered that, too. Like, what do people see in Charlie Haas? Um, Well, all I see in Charlie Haas is that brilliant gimmick that he had when he was impersonating everybody. Oh, yeah. The great Charlie. Beth Beth Haas. I read a comment. And this one's fucked up, but this almost like kind of illustrates what we're talking about. After the first release, after the first time Charlie Hosk released by WWE, he was at an indie show, and apparently the crowd was chanting, We want Russ. And let me add the paper clip there. For those of you that don't know, Charlie Haas started off his career wrestling with his twin brother, Russ Haas, and both of them were about to go to the WWE until Russ died. Oh my word! What well, yeah, There was what was it? I think he yeah, he walked it. He found his brother dead, and I think he something with Umaga. Like it's weird how he had a connection to those two. But how did the finish come by again? It was, was as, uh, you, as uh, you said, it was oh, the yeah. broken arrow that got reversed. Yeah, they went for the broken arrow. Kenny King hit. Uh, uh, went for a springboard blockbuster that didn't look all that great, or just look kind of look kind of rushed how it uh-huh. how it ended up. And then Charlie Haas was like, "What the fuck?" And then Rhett Titus gets the roll up with Rhett Tite with AX finally winning the ROH Tag Team Titles. Kenny King's finally seeming to go forward because Kenny King, in a way, is like the Dolph Ziggler of ROH. And that a lot of people want him to be world champ or whatever. And, like, he'll be, like, at that echelon or whatever and then just not, like, go forward. Or he'll just be stuck there. And Red Titus is be- managed by a Guerrero? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and, um... Where, where is Hector? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um... Oh, yeah, and Rhett Titus becoming the first Ring of Honor student out there wrestling academy to have won a title. And, yeah, a lot of the Ring of Honor students did not pan out well. Hell, they didn't do shit with half of them, mm. to be honest. But they, they had, like, a post-match promo in the ring, which then got interrupted by Haas and Benjamin, and then they didn't give a crap, and kept drinking yeah. champagne oh yeah that was funny they didn't give a crap for the match anx wins they pop <laughs> yeah like anx wins it's like okay like guys and this match sucks <laughs> yeah match was crap but we got new champs so thank god <laughs> something that should have a long time ago in my opinion but it finally happened better late than never sometimes yeah and then we come to the main event, the Anything Goes match, which was Kevin Steen defending the world title against Davy Richards, where the pole driver, which was previously banned, was legal for this one match. Plus the fact that this started and ended, well, it ended with a promo and started with multiple promos. Yeah. This was... Uh, that reminds me too about the pile driver being legal. Kind of a bit of a contrast 
or kind of funny that they brought that up when during this show, Homicide used the Gringo Killer, which is, uh, in technical terms, a back-to-back double underhook pile driver. Finley used a tombstone pile driver in his match against Elgin. <laughs> and whoever uses the air raid crash, yeah, that's a pile driver in its own too, but kind of weird dichotomy there, even though it's more suited towards Kevin Steen's package pile driver, even though they say yeah. all pile drivers are but, legal yeah, the- or illegal or legal for this match. And then on to what you said about the promo, Kyle O'Reilly just laying into Davey. Many F-bombs in this one. <laughs> and Kyle O'Reilly leaves off and Team Ambition is done. And, well, that probably should have happened a long time ago. But <laughs> yeah, you have referred to the last statement I made about a minute ago. <laughs> and so we have the match, which is just pure chaos. Well, plus we also had the promo with uh, Karina. Oh, yeah. Coming to ringside. Commentary. Holy shit. Like, I know how we break the fourth wall and how other people break a fourth wall. They break the fourth wall. Karina broke the fifth wall in this. And then he started making dents at the sixth before he went, no. (laughs) Yeah, he was like, this was just Carino in ultra Carino heel bow. Just got just talking shit. And what made it even better was also on commentary was Cornette. Yeah, Cornette got on commentary. Lady was just shooting on. Like he brought up like how uh, they don't like how I was bringing up with the students. How like Grizzly Redwood doesn't even work here anymore. Just all this kind of like insider stuff is like damn. Just like laying it in there all night. And then this one was... I like the match, but it's fair to say that this was overbooked. <laughs> yeah. Especially at the end. Just a lot of chaos going on. And uh, the spike being brought out in this match. Uh, originally, date the finish comes when Carino finally gets some revenge on Cornette and kicks Cornette in the balls. Jimmy Jacobs went to spike Davy Richards, but Davy Richards sends Jacobs into a ladder via an exploder suplex. And then Kevin Steen pulls out a spike, spikes Davy in the groin, and then hits the package pile driver for the victory, also ensuring that Davy Richards can no longer challenge for the world title as per the pre-match stipulation as long as Kevin Steen is champ. And then the other promos that happened... Which I referred to earlier with the Summer of Punk, almost the summer, you can say maybe the Summer of Steen. Well, it's been like a whole year of Steen or the saga of Steen, if anything. But his promo, very reminiscent to uh, Punk's promo from Death Before Dishonor 3, where he talks about how like he had felt Davey was a hypocrite. Kev, he said he was a hypocrite, but he felt the biggest hypocrite were the fans. And he pretty much called out on the fans on stuff that the ROH fans have been called out on before. One of the main things being how they boo their champions, bring it up Nigel, Tyler Black, and Davey Richards recently. Weirdly enough, they didn't do it to Eddie Edwards, probably because he didn't have the belt as long for them to do it, but that's just my opinion, although I feel there is some truth to that statement. Mm. Either way, the funny thing about this was Kevin Steen just... 
was shitting on the fans. At the he ended it by saying "fuck Ring of Honor" and "fuck New York City," and the crowd still cheered for him. It's like Kevin Steen took a shit on the fans, and the fans were gladly eating the shit. Yeah, well, while he shit just, on some more. Yeah, <laughs> he wasn't just saying "fuck Ring of Honor," but he was saying what he meant, rather than just saying it as a shock statement. He was that he was trying to say, "No, I actually do mean it." Fuck Ring of Honor. To... And you know, the added fact as well in his promo saying you you do yes chants and CM Punk chants and whatever, despite yeah. the fact that those guys probably don't even know the company exists. <laughs> which is which would be ironic if they do feature in their DVDs. Yeah, just kind of saying, but. Overall, I'd have to say, you know, I'm certainly looking forward to it. I'm hopefully going to catch some sort of replay of it very soon. But it sounds like it probably wasn't as good a show as they've had previously this year. But overall, there were some very big standout matches, certainly Carl and Riley. Yeah, that was standout match, definitely. Like, Adam Cole is easily MVP of the night from that show. The only match, yeah, the only matches I'd avoid, if anything, was... Well, I'd at least watch, like, the ending of the tag and maybe Finley Elgin if you don't like the slow pace. But other than that, this was a pretty solid card through and through. So, with that, it's time to make the announcement. The big reveal. The big reveal. And no, we're not being called NXT. <laughs> after, after pretty much screwing up with the fact that nobody liked Allied Revolution. Which, this will, to be this fair, will, does sound like a stable. <laughs> it does, before. but... It does, but this will be levied upon you fans one day. You, you don't you worry about that. <laughs> we'll remember that time you fucked up our name, but nonetheless, <laughs> yeah, it, it, through some deliberation and everything, and some consultation with JJ, we've decided that this is now the whole indie show. Which, if you judged by nearly every single segment we did on this show, you could have guessed. And the music, too. Yes, indie music, apart from one track, but we won't go into that. Um, (laughs) A very funny (laughs) in-joke. Yeah. If if you don't know what I'm talking about, um, do some research on Fox News or something, because it happened. Something happened, which this, I don't know whether the story's already on. It probably isn't on the Facebook page, but probably look for something to do with Pink Floyd and a recent trial that finished, and you might find it. Well, you're not lying about that. I might as well state that on pen somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't know. Uh, that that statement might make me have a heart attack. I don't know. <laughs> oh, but man. anyway, yeah. the The whole angle is for the 
for the whole indie show, there is going to be at least one segment which is going to cover indie stuff. There'll be indie news as well. One I actually want to mention just here because I just noticed it on the Facebook page is the fact that I think it's WWC, is it? In Puerto Rico? Yeah, that's a Puerto Rican company. Over it's the last couple of days in July and August, the one of their anniversary shows, or Anniversario, because they speak Spanish, or Spanglish, <laughs> or something. I say Spanglish yeah, because I'm influenced by Rey Mysterio's theme, but... <laughs> Word is oh. that it's going That's to be. Are you looking at it? Yes, I'm looking at it right yes. now. Yes, we're going to have a match, which I think the last time it happened was 2008, possibly. Yeah, 08. Yeah, it would have been around 08. Yeah, 08, because they were on different shows and then they were both yeah. fits. Yeah, different shows, thanks to Batista, allegedly. Or John Cena and Kenny Dykstra. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> oh, no, I, 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 I think there's a lot of yes. truth in that one, but we'll, <laughs> we will say allegedly to if be... You, if, if, you, if, you worked out, if you've worked out from those three names, you'll have worked out that it's going to be Mickey James versus Melina. We know who Andy's going for. <laughs> Molina. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, very interesting. That seems like a very interesting match. Something which I, I, I actually really want to see. I don't know if it's going to be available. Oh, my, my mistake is not even July. It's the end of June. It's June 29th and 30th and July the 1st. So Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So, so I'm guessing it's going to be on. There. It's going to be on for all three nights. I'm guessing, possibly. Yeah. But that'd be an interesting match. I don't know if they. They're probably not I pay per view the WWC, but they probably tape them. Yeah, they got TV in Puerto Rico. It's not they like they're third somewhere. World Those matches. <laughs> will be somewhere. Yes. <laughs> So that'll be an interesting thing to see. But there's going to be indie news in the news segment every week as well as the main some of the big stories that we want to talk about from TNA and WWE. Plus, there will always be either reviews of or a segment dedicated to indie shows. Yes. Whether it be Ring of Honor, whether it be CZW, whether it be... Shikara, whether it be New Japan or Pro Wrestling Noah or Yeah, we're going we're going foreign on this too. <laughs> yeah. AAA, CM de Blau. Hell if I can get coverage cover. to it. Yeah. Fight Club Pro in the UK, WXW, we will cover all that needs to be covered that isn't necessarily out of Florida or Connecticut. Well, even technically, though they're owned by WWE, I or not 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 owned by WWE, but in a deal with TNA, OVW, yeah, is, is still technically indie. 
Yeah, I wouldn't mind doing OVW. They put their stuff on YouTube. NWA Hollywood was one of the ones mentioned in a post. Resistance Pro, which is Billy yeah. Corgan's promotion. They have uh, YouTube of their TV show. I'm tempted now. to say FCW, but the problem is FCW is kind of like NXT now. It, it, it pretty much is. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, side mention NXT, the new format, genius. Yeah. Uh, more of that, please, WWE. And less of the old NXT. <laughs> and Specifically, into season two finale onward. <laughs> yeah. Although we did get AJ out the AJ and Caitlin out the diva season, and Naomi and Exana, and I think those are only four on Maxine. To depending on what you watch. Yeah. But yes, that's that's it. The whole indie show will have the official intro and everything next week. And, yeah, I hope you'll enjoy it. And I kind of, on a side note, just to kind of bring it back, regardless of, like, all the issues we did have, sadly, our, the founder of, well, not the whole indie show, but the founder of this previous program, Why Nim, is off on another endeavor right now, and we wish him the I want to sound like we're fired. Yeah. No, we we're not doing Laura Knight isn't saying we wish you well in your future endeavors. That's I just no. want to say that because, yeah, he's doing his own thing. And sadly, he hasn't been able to communicate with us. So we moved on. And if he wants to bring back why or if he does come back, we'd be glad to have him back on either permanently or as a guest or in some yeah. way because he helped bring me in. He helped bring Ashley in when I was gone. And oddly enough, we're the last two that entered the show and we're the last one standing here. Yeah, so we it's it's like an Olympic torch style thing. The torch is nearly is being passed and we're getting it. And we, it, it, if if we're gonna be like Kevin Steen on this, we're getting as much newspaper as we can and making this torch into a huge bloody bonfire. Yeah. We are gonna the changes will be great and vast to the whole indie show. Maybe the same thing we're doing now, but we'll work that out and you can expect at the end of the year. Hell we wanna hell if anything, we wanna try to get to the wrestling radio awards. Might be a little lofty saying now, but we wanna work towards that goal, get towards something bigger. We're trying to achieve more than we did with why and, and accomplish it without necessarily being central on WWE and TNA. If we can represent the indies enough, we hope that people out there will appreciate it and hopefully listen to us on a regular basis and give their thoughts on it as well. We'll have to set up a set up an in, uh, email as well if I can. I'll yeah. To... Oh, well, they're, they're, yeah. They're probably a new Twitter now. Yeah. I'm not going to change my Twitter handle, but because nobody barely contacts me on Twitter, I might as well keep it the same. But Randy will probably not bother to change his Twitter either. Nah, I'll just make a new one for But her. we'll certainly have an, a dedicated email for her. Yeah. Of which we'll probably get one email a week. 
hopefully and we'll yeah. and if, even if it's just from anthony all the time we will take that <laughs> yeah anthony can email in and then i don't no i was gonna make a joke about him not being on facebook but He's I'm just thinking out. now. He's gonna hear. He's gonna hear this back, and then in the chat room, he's just gonna say, "You bastard." <laughs> he's actually on Facebook now. <laughs> he's on. What? He's on Facebook. Wow. Yep. yep. I am that out of the loop. I am that out of the loop. Well, I think it's just only a couple days ago, but yeah, he is on Facebook. And as a small plug to him, <laughs> for yeah. a dedicated listener, check out his Facebook if he hasn't already added you on there. Speaking of plugs, might be time to plug the other shows that are. I was going to say about Anthony. I was going to say to Anthony, poke me on Facebook, but then I just realized we talked about Rob Feinstein, and that might be totally blown out of proportion. So I'm not even going to say that anymore. But yes, <laughs> he'll pretend you said show- eighteen. Yeah, other shows. <laughs> On the network, we got Wrestling News live every Tuesday with at 9 Eastern with JJ and Trey. We've got the Pro Wrestling Rewind on Wednesdays with the Power Andy Knowles and Bronx Father Tony Mirabella. Friday, we've got something. But if you want to know what that something is, <laughs> the other show that I do, hint, hint. Mm. But if you want to know more about that, listen to that show because the announcement is made on that show at the end. Wonder where I got the idea for naming this this show at the end from? Listen to that one at the end. And then listen to this one at the end and then you'll go, ah, that's why. Or something. But we've also got Unplugged currently on a hiatus, but by the looks of it, it will be returning and possibly covering the new NXT because I know JJ was liking the first episode of it a heck of a lot. He like, must have. He hated season three. <laughs> well, That's no, the reason he stopped covering it. It's, it's, it's a new NXT. That's the thing. It's Probably, FCW yeah. NXT. It's FCW. That's what it's, there it's we more, go. What yeah. it should have been how long, even though that's what it was. <laughs> Five words, the ascension, holy fucking god. Yeah, these two. That's all I'm saying about that. But anyway, and then the other podcasts that we've got, which are Running the Ropes with Crelly and Mav, Beyond the Bell with Sean Beckerman, and the Elite Force podcast with The Midweek with Chuck W, and the Weekend Edition with Mindwipe and Walkie. I just thought about no more Nim Mindwipe feud, sadly. <laughs> that yeah there might be there might be a slight tear in mind wipes eye i don't know because we gonna, killed the white gonna, name yeah. yeah we killed why so they've killed the only joke that they can make about this show but we killed no the doubt few. no doubt there'll be another joke which we will just walk into that mind wipe will pick up instead and this will lead to a merger down the line <laughs> or uh, a well, but, no, I said to say a merger, um, what's a talent exchange. <laughs> speaking of other podcasts, there's us, because we'll confirm it again. This is, from next week, going to be called The Whole Indie Show. And I think that is all we've covered. That's all we need to cover. So 
Randy, any final words before we go? Um, nothing really too major. Just, of course, check out all the shows. Check out any announce. I'm going to make, as you've been seeing on some pages, I will be making announcements from time to time on the Facebook until we either get an official Twitter or I'll probably still keep it on the Facebook. But I'll be posting things. We are getting fan interactive in this. You have noticed during the list and some stuff, we will, things that I do write in there may be used on this show. So we love yeah. the feedback. We got great feedback, but we started the whole revolution thing. We thank you all for reacting positively or at least reacting to it <laughs> yeah rockport i'm looking at you for just reacting <laughs> he was the it first was... one too <laughs> yeah he he reacted but it definitely wasn't positive and he, he kind of set the ball rolling for basically making us realizing yeah the title didn't work but it kind of was the it was the basic idea of what we were trying to do and then we just went Let's take RVD's idea, but just make it indie. Yeah. By the way, no marijuana was used on my side. <laughs> I, I don't know. Where, I don't know if anybody else inhaled. <laughs> I don't know. I will walk into that joke and accept it. <laughs> <laughs> I would uh, say get the border oh, yeah, patrol. Uh, I would say get the border patrol on you, but whoa. Oh. And people say yeah. the joke. Wow. <laughs> the hosts already hate each other. This is a brilliant start. And with that, I think it's time to end. Song of the Night. Yes, we're keeping that in. Is oh, dedicated to <laughs> dedicate dedicated slightly to Nem, actually. Slightly. Well, Even it's Austra- it's Australian related. Oh, that is true, yeah, they are. Australia. Yes, the uh, news came through this week that Pendulum is no more, or at least they've parted ways, but they may get back together at some point. So to mark the fact that they are splitting up for the time being, it's time to kind of do a flashback to Cyberslam, Cyberslam, Cyber Sunday. ECW? <laughs> <laughs> Cyber Sunday 2008, and the theme for that pay-per-view, which was Pendulum's Propane Nightmares. So, with that, insert witty endliner here for whole indie show, and we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Rest in peace, Pendulum and Swedish House Mafia.